submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. You can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 63 of Skiba News Nation, your weekly source of the latest news, controversial topics, conspiracies, forgotten history, and so much more. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba, and today we're going to be talking about something satanic is happening. Nancy Pelosi finally admits she's a shapeshifter, proof of reptilians, direct energy weapons, and patents. Mexico is building the wall to keep us out. Congress has turned into an old folks home, CIA and pandemic connection, Mexican alien corpses, an all new Opus Corner, and for history, we'll be taking a deep dive on how Big Pharma owns the world, and some of my favorite Norm Macdonald clips of all time, memes, and much more. Subscribe and stay tuned. Now as always, I'd like to introduce my great and insightful co-host, Mr. Jake Grant. Welcome, Jake. How you doing? Hey, Jeremiah. Doing pretty great. Your week went well? How are you? I'm, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing real good. I did get something really cool in the mail today. Uh, I got these two really cool comic books. And his name is Ryan James. And follow him on Twitter at Octogon Comics. It's all one word, but that's how it's spelled in the, in the name. But I just thought these were super cool. And he's a, he's a fellow biblical cosmologist, as we like to call it. So I thought I'd show this last page to our, our viewers, check this out. And he wrote a really oh, nice sweet. note saying that 
that my dad really influenced his life and that you know when we uh get ready to finish seed that he would like to help with it so i'm not gonna i can't say anything past that so that's amazing man yeah man. Yeah, really cool comic very cool yeah two of them too i can't wait to read them i haven't had time but uh i know you got some good current news for me today right yes i do let's get into it let's do it so i find it interesting the things that happen during the fall season we've just passed through the the feast of trumpets yom Teruwa, coming up to yom kippur and the feast of sukkot and uh and the reason i always pay attention to the news particularly during this time of year is there seems to be a use case uh, for modern day believers when it comes to practicing these feasts uh, that actually help prepare us for a possible uh, future event, right? A pr future prophetic event. And the whole premise behind Sukkot, which is the coming up feast uh, where you go and you know dwell in booths, is uh, you literally come out of the cities and go into the wilderness and camp. And it's an amazing time to get around other people and, and hash out a lot of the things you've learned over the years, sit around the campfire, learn how to operate in community. Uh, but also, uh, it seems to be, a, a, in the future, a possible time that people that are walking the way, trying to connect with their creator, are going to be drawn out of these places where distractions, diversions, and uh, calamity and curses are falling and uh, preserved in like the wilderness. And so whenever I look at the news headlines lately, uh, there's a lot of uh, doom and gloom over these coming months. Uh, and uh, this week, there's been so many really big headline crazy stories going on. And we're going to cover those, of course. We're going to have a segment this week uh, about uh, the aliens that have been released or uh, shown to the public. Uh, in an official government capacity from down South America. Um, and uh, we're going to be covering also the missing jet that disappeared, <laughs> as well as zombie burgers, and apparently Nancy Pelosi confirming that she is a reptilian. Uh, but, uh, while I'm, I'm really excited to get into all these stories, you know, I wanted to mention that about these uh, this particular season of the year, because it seems that a lot of things really ramp up um, and we're entering into the, uh, the winter months preceding a election year. So it is high time to have your head on a swivel. Now, I know a lot of our audience, uh, you know, some of them might not be practicing biblical feasts and stuff. Uh, but I want you guys to recognize the correlation that there is extremely important prophetic significance to this time of year when it comes to end times events according to scripture and uh and that's why whenever we see these headlines it's about world changing events super you know crazy end times mark of the beast antichrist alien abductions you know alien overlords showing up on our front door uh oftentimes i think we can look at this time of the year as when these deceptions really get kicked off um and so uh, there's a lot of uh talk going around the interwebs that over the next couple months there's 
going to be possible false flag events. Uh, COVID is reigniting. You know, you have all these things that, you know, if you are blind and plugged into the system, uh, you're going to have a hard time being able to explain these deceptions that are coming on the earth. And that's all the more reason to unplug from the system, uh, to find good community, to find people that can support and encourage you and have uh, morality that's not based on the tenets of the world, but rather the tenets of the almighty, right, from the good old book. And, uh, and that's why, you know, I encourage people, if you haven't, uh, look into practicing uh, biblical feasts, keeping these high Sabbaths. Uh, look into uh, getting together with people of a like mind in a community sense so that if it all falls apart and the world goes to crap, then you're going to have people to lean back on and to go through it with. Uh, because partially, I believe, our judgment uh, when everything falls apart is determined by the people we surround ourselves with. And uh, if you're surrounding yourselves with people that are biting into the bait, hook, line, and sinker, and uh, being drawn into you know the crazy agendas of this world, it's going to be a, a pretty hellish time. So, mm-hmm. all right. With that said, uh, you know to kick us off, there was a recent compilation video from Jason A. I wanted to share with you guys, and uh, something satanic is happening in the world today. Check out this clip. Well, Elon Musk is going after the entire ESG agenda in a scathing tweet after S&P revealed its scores for companies last month. Elon tweets this, why ESG is the devil. BlackRock is a financial giant. It's the largest investor on planet Earth with over $9 trillion in assets. That's a pile of cash equal to about one-tenth of a year's global economic activity. That means the money managers at BlackRock have a big say in how the world runs. So what he's hinting at there, and this is a really interesting debate that's just bubbling to the surface now. A lot of congressmen and women are exploring this idea of proxy services. There's only two large proxy service companies in America that have, it's a duopoly, that have about 90% share of the market. So they're completely opaque in trying to provide any information. They don't give you the reasons they vote for ESG mandates or not. So they provide the voting services, they make the recommendations, and they're very pro-ESG without telling you what's in it they're pro about. You have no idea. So what Elon's really getting at is saying, wait a second, if you're a BlackRock or a Fidelity or somebody else and you're using one of these proxy services where 80 or 90% of your and my money in 401ks and savings accounts is harbored, I don't have a say in what ESG is. Tesla itself got delisted out of an index on the S&P as a non-ESG company, and my goodness, it's an EV company, and nobody, nobody can explain why that happened. So now we have a situation where we need to shine the light on ESG, and that's making a lot of these proxy companies, the two big ones, very uncomfortable because they make billions in fees, they're not accountable to anybody. Here's CEO Larry Fink talking to CNBC in 2021. And I've been on the, your show now probably four times every year at the very least for 22 years as a public company and even longer when we were private, talking about retirement. BlackRock is indeed influential. In the US, it owns at least 5% of most major companies. That gives the firm lots of voting power to determine how public businesses operate. BlackRock rose to the top of the financial system in a short span of time. But really, the commander-in-chief is Larry Fink today. The guy running BlackRock is really the president of the United States. 
if we look at the kind of influence he's got in every industry, Joe. And he's like, well, you know, I kind of feel bad. I'm ashamed that all the weaponization, the word, you know, ESG is being used and all this other stuff. And Elon tweeted about the ESG. I don't know if you remember when Elon tweeted about ESG saying the S in ESG is satanic. Okay. So this is a part where even a Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's partner, says, look, I love Larry Fink, but I'm not interested in having an emperor. It's hard to get more pro environment than me. Um, but, but like, we, we just don't, don't like, we, we don't want basically some sort of like bizarre, like communism rebranded thing, which is like a lot of what ESG is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to be inflicted upon corporate America without the knowledge of the actual shareholders, which is what's going on. And, and so the, the, I'm saying the public is being lied to by their, really they're being lied to. Kevin, Musk even went so far as to say these big investment companies could be setting themselves up for class action lawsuits. They're pretty much running everything. Yeah. yeah. S&P 500, you know, the number that uh, 88% of the companies on S&P 500, 88% of them, the largest shareholder of those companies is either State Street, BlackRock, or Vanguard. Just three companies dominate the ETF market. BlackRock is by far the largest with roughly a 35% market share of uh, domestic market. The next two are Vanguard and State Street, both somewhere in, say, the 15 to 20% market share range. ETFs reshaped financial markets in a short amount of time. More than 80% of all assets invested over the past decade have gone to one of the big three, according to legal scholars writing in the National Bureau of Economic Research. And then you go even deeper, which is even the crazier part, with, you know, the, the education, schools. Like, you know, the biggest uh, union we have in America, I think it's National Education something. NEA is the largest uh, union we have. Three million teachers are part of that union. And, and you look at that and you go deeper in that with Open Society and who's funding it, who's the money behind these organizations. Comes back, Soros, Soros, Soros. How do you feel about the kind of power they have right now to fight against them? Because this isn't like a billionaire can come out and say, I'm going to go up against these guys. They don't have a little bit of money. A billionaire to these guys is nothing. They got the kind of control that can make companies fire boards. They can replace CEOs. They can replace leaders if they don't like. They have their hands so much into it where many times when people say they, the people of power, the people of power, I'm kind of like, who are the people of power? Are you convinced these guys are really running the world? Experts warn that BlackRock's work with the Fed could raise conflicts of interest. What's unusual here is that the very the top most people at the Federal Reserve are talking with the leader of the biggest asset management <clears throat> firm and that in these moments of crisis, we're just going to this firm, not necessarily all other firms. The company is now searching for new sources of yield. For example, BlackRock is pursuing real estate investments like student housing, apartments, retail and office buildings. The firm also opened a lab in Palo Alto to explore artificial intelligence. It's even dabbling in cryptocurrency but leadership thinks that it's little more than a footnote. You make a good case that these proxy companies have a monopoly or duopoly in the market, but the Federal Trade Commission, I don't think they've gone after them. They have, though, gone after a lot of other companies, Kevin. You've seen this, Lena Khan's at the helm. She is an acolyte of Elizabeth Warren. I think the whole FTC setup right now is a backdoor way to give the government more control over American capitalism, but I'm really eager to hear what you have to say about it. Well, well, that is an interesting narrative, but it's actually causing change in where money's being managed. So Soros, when you're talking ESG, that story is a completely different story. You ever heard Soros' interview with 60 Minutes where he says, I see myself as a god? Have you ever seen this interview or uh, what he says? No. Really? He said he sees himself as a god. Oh my god. Uh, 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 Jamie, do you mind pulling up the quote i think it's if you type in la times soros god if you type in la times soros god when you hear what he says it's like the second to the last paragraph all the way to the bottom 
the guy asked a question, you know, about who he views himself as. I want to I want to quote it properly exactly what he says. In the Is there a video of him saying? Yeah, 60 minutes. There's a video as well. So if you go all the way to the bottom, sort of go a little bit higher, go a little bit higher on the quote. Uh, okay, right there. It seems that Soros believes he was anointed anointed by God. I fancied myself as some kind of a god. If truth be known, I carried some rather potent messianic fantasies with me from childhood, which I felt I had to control. Otherwise, they might get me in trouble. And then on the next line, when asked by Britain's independent newspaper to elaborate on the passage, Soros says, it is sort of a disease when you consider yourself some kind of a god, the creator of everything, but I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out. These are the people that are running the world. I don't know if you caught that, but the, they were talking about the president of BlackRock and how he's the real president of the United States. Yep. Um, and uh, these are the people that we have to look at as the culprits behind a lot of the push for agendas that we see coming into the world today. It's the big money. It's not the politicians, so to speak, but it's these people that have billions and trillionaires trying to shift and move the political landscape for their monetary benefit or for their ideological benefit. Um, but uh, in this same vein of thought, uh, here's an interesting uh, compilation of Nancy Pelosi uh, finally admitting that she is a reptilian. Uh, I oh. thought it was kind of funny. I knew um, it. And uh, Yeah, go ahead. I knew it. All along. I knew it. All right, check this one out. Uh, you know, of course she was going to say that. but Poor like, baby. Yeah, yeah, she's really, really committed to that. It's really sad. <laughs> no, I'm not a poor baby. I'm more reptilian. And <laughs> <laughs> Cohen will win the election. I'm more reptilian. Justice and again the food security issue. He's been spelling that out the whole time. I want you to know that we in the Congress <laughs> fully support and take. Are the allegations true that you're secretly a lizard? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with no on that. Uh, I I am, I am not a lizard. Um, but you know keep Sweet the high race. quality comments coming in. What's the glitch? Oh, there it is. You missed it, didn't you? Watch this. Zoom in on that sucker. Boom, did you see it? What we have here is a reptilian shape-shifting right before our very eyes. Watch this. Boom, look at that. There it is. Look at that. Look. Which is one of the one of the adversaries in this. Both sides are guilty of different scales of problems. If you can for a moment about the safety, what have you learned uh, about serious side it's effects? It's a frog man. Ribbit, ribbit. That's weird. 
You guys are the first to realize that I'm really not even a human being. <laughs> I, I was constructed in a garage in Palo Alto this a very long a time ago. Tell People think that, you know, <laughs> Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, they created They don't it. even know. Oh, no. I mean, a man whose name shall remain nameless created me in his garage. Are there more of you? <laughs> now, I, you know, I thought he threw away the plans. At least mm. that's what he told me when he programmed me, that there would be no more. I've seen more people that kind of don't sweat and other things that make me think maybe they are part of the new race that he has created mm. the robot race dude i love the uh, daily caller they have uh, the daily caller shorts and if you guys haven't checked out that channel it's so great that's funny well you know in all seriousness the reason i shared that is because you know you had the dichotomy between the the real people who are ruling the world and kind of this gimmicky conspiratorial oh it's the reptilians uh whatever but let's get to the heart of the matter right a reptilian or a reptile is cold-blooded and you know whenever you use that language what does cold-blooded mean it means you don't have any second thought for you have you no know, heart accident somebody no you have heart. no heart right and when it comes to the people that are perpetrating these agendas and these evils against mankind you know kind of you could say they are reptilian because they're so cold-blooded uh, even if they're not, you know, alien reptiles. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's totally out of the picture. However, are you a reptilian, uh, you know, Jake? Say can what? You, can you confirm that you're not a reptilian? I I can say that okay. I uh, bleed red and I have an average body temperature. Uh, my eyes don't change. And you do I have a heart. You do have a heart. I do have a heart. Yes. <laughs> Uh, my my wife can say you know he he's a he's definitely a human. <laughs> I'm silicon based. What up? I'm silicon based. Silicon based. <laughs> uh, yeah, Opa's an a, a, a android like uh uh. Data. What's his name? Star Trek. Data. Data. Yeah, Opa's our data. What's up with the Pfizer frog neck guy? Turn the freaking frogs gay. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I, you know, just to debunk the video a little bit, uh, there's this uh, effect that happens when you're a trumpet player that I've, it, it turns your neck, it collapses like your walls of your neck or whatever. And so trumpet players that are professional trumpet players have this effect where their neck blows out like a frog. So Pfizer, Pfizer has band practice with trumpets. Yeah. So I guess he's <laughs> practicing trumpet, you know, on his spare time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, um, so back to the topic, cold-blooded, right? Well, here is a video on government patents that absolutely describe somebody out there, somebody up, you know, up in power or whatever, who has access to, 
you know, these patents and this technology that's being used against mankind, like what we saw in Maui recently uh, with directed energy weapons possibly causing those fires, uh, well, check out this next video and, and just ask yourself, you know, what kind of person uh, uses this type of technology against other people? Let's talk about the rabbit hole that I fell down while researching information for our previous video. Our previous video was about how your television is literally like a patented weapon device to like brainwash you, basically. And while researching that patent, I unknowingly to me at the time fell down like an insane rabbit hole. It's just nuts. So we're going to talk about it. But before I go any further, you already know I have to give a disclaimer or they're going to take this video down. So this video was made strictly for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this video should be considered factual. And let's just say the whole video is scripted. Okay, hopefully that's good enough. Now let's get into it. So on the own website, I was looking up the specific patent for our previous video, and I came across a list of all the current directed energy weapons that the is using against us, without our knowledge, obviously, because like I didn't consent to any of this, let me know if you guys did, but I highly doubt it. So I'm going to point out a few that I think are like the most worth pointing out, and then at the end of the video, I'm going to include like an entire patent list of every patent that I found, and you guys can go look up, you know, the information on your own. So make sure you stick around to the end of the video, because like I promise there's so many on there that you're going to want to go look it up. All right, now let me show you what I'm talking about. So here's the list, and at the top, in that blue like bar right there at the top, it literally reads directed energy weapons slash targeted individual patents. So like patents that they took out on targeted individuals and just in case you didn't know anybody can become a targeted individual like at any time whenever they deem it necessary now let's go over a few of these mind you every single one i'm talking about is its own directed energy weapon all right so here's the patent number for what i'm talking about right up here you can always go look stuff for yourself i always encourage that this patent is for remotely transmitting intelligible subjective sounds into a target's consciousness or they call it voice to skull that's cute. Love your little nicknames, bro. So basically, for those of you who don't speak government, remotely transmit subjective, intelligible sound into target consciousness basically means that they're going to be able to remotely, not from anywhere near you, but from like a faraway location, be able to put a certain sound into like a specific person's brain or consciousness, like whatever person they want, whenever they want, or like a thought or whatever. And you would think it's organic. And patent number is used for subliminal manipulation of a subject's emotions via remotely directed audio waves. Or in other words, they can make you feel whatever freaking way they want to just by manipulating some audio waves around you. This next one is really trippy, dude. So for patent number, this one is called the ventriloquist effect. And it makes a voice emanate from individuals who did not intend to release it. Or in other words, it can make you talk when you didn't mean to. Ventriloquist effect. Like, who comes up with this <laughs> Or how about this next one? Okay, for the patent number up there. This patent can control your brain state by placing engineered EMF patterns into the AC wiring of buildings. I not, dude. And don't look up this next patent if you ever want to be able to go to the dentist again without being horrified. Because this patent is for an oral electronic tracking device that can be implanted in teeth, dentures, or braces. And then this patent can induce whatever desired emotional state through EMF patterns. For instance, sleepiness or arousal, anything they want you to feel. Or how about this next patent? Yet another nickname, they call it the rock the baby sensation. And it remotely causes the subject to feel their body swaying. Like they just experienced an earthquake or something. This next one, I think we all knew it existed, but this patent controls human brain waves by superimposing hidden phrases into music signals. I mean, I already knew they were doing that, but you know, if you want to see the patent that proves it, there it is. Okay, these next two really f me up. So this patent can remotely monitor your heart rate and perspiration through the use of directed EMFs. Yeah, you heard me right. And after I tell you this one, you guys like are never gonna touch your phone again, but check this. This next patent is of course for your phone. It doesn't exactly say that, but I mean, come on. It's for monitoring vital signs of a subject via a remote application of radar waves through a handheld device. So your phone. And then this patent is just for some good old dream alteration. Like literally your own
Marines aren't even your own, dude. I, I, ugh. And here's like the like directed energy weapons that we know are like regular directed energy weapons, right? Here's the proof of them. Got the patents and everything. So this patent number allows for extremely precise aim of particle beams, aka over distances of up to several thousand miles. And then this patent number just like helps that because it's an imaging device that improves the aim of directed energy weapons. Because of course they want to like be able to see the target before they like blow it up, right? Because we all know they don't want to hit Oprah's property or anything. I'm just saying. At this point, that disclaimer's not going to be good enough. I swear they're going to take this shit down. Y'all are probably going to have to go to my YouTube or Facebook to watch this. Okay, but wait, listen to this next one. This helps monitor and determine undesirable behaviors in humans via wireless microphones in vehicles, personal property, and homes. So, like, this is a patent to bug my home, basically, and listen for undesirable behaviors. Well, then, I guess I should start checking my house for bugs, cuz. And then this patent is a method that helps them monitor community mood by remotely monitoring voices, text, and biometrics. So basically at any time they can just be like, mm, how's this community feeling about me today? Are they listening to Katie too much? Mm. And then this next patent is an x-ray inspection device that can sense the presence of humans within structures, within your home. They know where you are. Again, I'm gonna ask, did anybody consent to this? I don't think so. And then you're gonna say, okay, Katie, I know, but like they're not using this stuff all the time, right? Like it's only for targeted individuals only at some times, right? Nope. Listen to this last patent that I have for you. This patent number, is for the power system and it is to maintain the directed energy weapons in a ready state or in other words so they never have to power down cute real cute i know it's a lot anyways i promised a full list of all the patent numbers that i came across so let me get my big head out of the way and give that to you when i stumbled across it Real shit, I was kind of scared to make this video because it's crazy, but I made it. Because at the end of the day, all of this information that I just told you is public knowledge and anybody who wanted to spend the time could find this information just like I did. I wasn't looking for it. I stumbled across it and my mind was blown. I'm sorry, but there's just no way that I could come across some shit like this and not share it with you guys. Like, that's just not me. So what do you think about some of those patents, man? It makes a lot of sense and it's very scary. <laughs> that's some very scary stuff. I mean, this is public knowledge stuff. I mean, what do you think, Opa? I mean, these are like the patent process just demonstrates the technology somebody's trying to protect the intellectual property of, which means it exists. It's crazy. No, it doesn't necessarily mean it exists. There's a lot of companies that, as a matter of fact, some companies I've worked for that have applied for patents for things that didn't actually exist or even tested or worked. But in case it could be done, we wanted to make sure that we had the patent on it. So you can oh, invent wow. you can invent the patent for anything? For anything. So I could say like robots that are really sharks that fly in space. Yeah. Space is fake. And all you've got to do is, is come up with uh, uh, the, patent the, flat earth. the description and, and uh, you know, some uh, diagrams and things like that. And, and send it to the patent office and as long as it's unique and not, you know, somebody else didn't patent it, they'll give you a patent for it. I'm, I mean, I would say those patents that Jake just showed, I mean, that some of those I'm sure are being used, if not all of them. Yeah, I'm not saying any of those, all of those might have been typically valid patents that, uh, you know, are, are real working devices or things. But I'm just saying that, that uh, I, I know in companies that I've worked for that we have applied for patents just to protect our company uh, because, you know, for, for stuff we've done, we want to make sure that we have a patent for it, although we haven't done any research on it, we haven't 
you know, don't even have a, uh, a test device or anything. We just wrote up a patent, applied for it, and that locked it down. So if somebody actually did come up with it, we had a patent on it, and we can say stop, you know? But but it's just crazy well, that they do have patents for it, though. Why would they have patents for it? Well, probably because maybe they're working on it. Yeah. If they're, yeah. If they, if they're not already doing it, so... No, I mean that's really good to understand. I mean, I mean that does demystify the the whole topic. You know what she was sharing. Maybe some of those things don't exist, but maybe some of them do. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's very interesting. Well, uh, we're we're now going to move on to uh, something you guys deal with. They're close to home there in Texas. Uh, the whole wall between mexico and the u.s and uh <laughs> this next clip is really interesting because it uh puts forward the idea that perhaps the wall one day will not be there to keep mexicans out of migrating to the u.s illegally but there to keep u.s citizens from illegally leaving and entering in Mexico to escape whatever's coming to this country. So check out this next clip. A little bit of breaking news here. Mexican construction workers saying that Mexico is building the wall in order to keep Americans in America and that all the Mexicans are fleeing back to Mexico expecting the collapse of this country? Yikes. Trump's in jail. You can quit building the wall. Mexico is paid to build a wall. <laughs> Trump was right. Was it? You're trying to go back? To Mexico. Get it ready for a collapse. You know, in the dollar. So they think it, uh, a lot of people going to start. Trying to go back? Yeah, so now Mexico wants to hold everybody back. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Trump did say that he was he that he was gonna get Mexico to pay for the wall. Yeah, I mean but the the way he described why they're paying for the wall yeah. is very interesting, which is you know, the dollar's gonna collapse and y'all are gonna be trying to come down to where we have it good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I will oh, say man. it's so, it's one of America's favorite places to vacation. I mean I've been to Mexico, you know? But the cruises stop there all the time. So I don't blame them. I wouldn't say along the wall is a good place to vacation. No. True, true. Well, uh, we'll see if it comes to that. You know, if <laughs> we, it's a reverse scenario. You know, Americans are like, I got to get to life in Mexico, man. That's where it's, it's happening. <laughs> no, that's like, where it's like better. Jesse Ventura, you know, he goes all, <laughs> out there all the time. Uh, well, tied to this collapse of the dollar topic and, you know, possibly why people would be fleeing the United States is about the Fed forcing a recession to crush U.S. workers. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Talk, check this out. Turning to the economy, the Federal Reserve today raised its key interest rate by a quarter of a percentage point. The 11th such increase since March of last year brings rates to a range between 5.25 and 5.5%, the highest it's been in 22 years. Interest rates are the highest they've been in 22 years, and Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has signaled that additional rate hikes are possible before the end of the year. Although inflation has moved down from its peak, a welcome development, it remains too high. 
We are prepared to raise rates further if appropriate and intend to hold policy at a restrictive level until we are confident that inflation is moving sustainably down toward our objective. They say that rate hikes are necessary to tamp down inflation and restore price stability, but could there be something more sinister at play? Let's find out. The Federal Reserve, established in 1913, stands as one of the most influential financial institutions in the United States, if not the entire world. The Fed's primary mission is twofold. First, to maximize employment, meaning to ensure as many Americans as possible have jobs. And second, to maintain price stability, meaning ensuring the money you have today holds its value tomorrow. To achieve these goals, the Fed can wield several tools, but perhaps none is as powerful or as often discussed as the interest rate, which we can simply define as the cost of borrowing money or the return earned from lending it. By adjusting these rates, the Federal Reserve can influence the pace of the nation's economic activity. Lower interest rates encourage more borrowing and spending, which stimulates economic activity, and higher interest rates disincentivize spending by making borrowing more expensive, which in turn slows down economic activity. At a recent Fed retreat in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Fed Chair Jerome Powell called inflation still too high and warned of further rate increases in the coming months. A byproduct of sustained interest rate hikes is, of course, a recession which would put millions of Americans out of work and cause serious financial distress for many working class Americans. So it's natural that the Fed's decision to hike interest rates has ignited a firestorm of online conspiracies, with theories ranging from the Fed intentionally inducing a recession to favor the wealthy, to the government altering the very definition of a recession, or even the Bureau of Labor Statistics manipulating metrics like the consumer price index and unemployment figures, all seemingly pointing to the end goal of bolstering monetary policies that might predominantly serve Wall Street's interests. I have to say, is it possible for our government to lie to us? A thousand percent, of course it's possible. This is Christopher Clark, an economics professor at Washington State University. Recently, I spoke with him to explore whether or not there is any credence to the idea that the Fed could be acting in nefarious ways. Meaning that instead of setting monetary policy aimed at achieving their dual mandate, the raising or sometimes lowering of interest rates could actually be serving an entirely different purpose. Workers saying, I don't want to drive into the city an hour and a half and drive home an hour and a half every day. But I also think a nice little recession will clear this. A nice little recession to get the workers back into line. And he's not the only billionaire CEO saying something to that effect. Well, it's clear that we, we have a, uh, an inability to get the unemployment rate as high as the Fed would like. Uh, the unemployment rate is 3.5%. I think the Fed would like it to be higher. They won't publicly say they want it to be 5 or 6%. Uh, but there's a tight labor market. And because the market is so tight, they can't get the unemployment rate as high as they would like. And that's a, a, big, a big problem for them. Hmm, they can't get the unemployment rate as high as they'd like. And it's a big problem for them says the billionaire CEO who would be happy if you lost your job and who also just happens to be Jerome Powell's old boss at the Carlyle Group, one of Wall Street's largest and most influential private equity firms. Oh, and guess who's sitting across from the a nice little recession to get the workers back in the line billionaire CEO? Yes, the same guy, CEO and co-founder of the Carlyle Group, David Rubenstein. You literally can't make this stuff up. So I, I, I don't think we can fault people for connecting these dots pointing to the notion that the Fed seems to be setting monetary policy not on behalf of the economy as a whole, but rather on behalf of their friends on Wall Street. 
there's certainly something to be said about a good old boys club and you know the billionaire CEO who claimed that recessions are a good thing for getting workers back in line or it's a good thing for the macro economy because it would it would mean workers would be less lazy we'd get better productivity that is is a, a tiny minority position among among economists while that might be true rubenstein has been on record outlining the potential advantages of elevated interest rates quote the greatest fortunes are made by professional investors when things are troublesome he said right now there are a lot of complications in the market he points to one specific sector real estate you're going to see some real estate that is going to be for sale at discounts to what it is today he suggested that's probably gonna be the biggest opportunity over the next two or three years, is discounted real estate debt in large commercial office buildings in big cities. So let's just be clear, while the US economy is staring down a real estate doom loop, so to speak, a story Crystal and Sagar have been following here very closely on breaking points, our guy, Barry Sternlich, who suggests that a recession could be good in terms of getting the workers back in the line, he happens to be the CEO of Starwood Capital, a private investment firm with a primary focus on global real estate. He is, I'm pretty sure, chomping at the bits. So it sure seems to me like the system is, in fact, rigged in favor of the capital owners and against workers and laborers. Not only that, it seems like corporations as a whole have used inflationary conditions as an excuse to raise prices in excess of inflation. According to data from the Economic Policy Institute, between 2007 and 2019, corporate profits contributed to about 13% to prices. Since the second quarter of 2020, they have instead contributed to more than a third of price growth, while labor costs have been cut in half, meaning a direct one-to-one -one transfer of wealth from laborers to shareholders. So it's clear the richest and most powerful have benefited immensely compared to regular Americans over the past couple of years. The question, is the Fed in on it? You know, people have a sense of fairness. We want to think that there's a sense of fairness out there and that the system is, you know, for all of its problems, at least everyone's got an equal chance at some level. So that that didn't happen. Now, I would say specifically on Jerome Powell, you know, he's not an academic. So we actually had some worry when Fed, when Jay Powell was nominated. Now, he had extensive experience at the Fed, so we knew that. Uh, but we were a little worried. Like, this is the first time we were having someone not from our world, right? But I would say the reputation, at least, by his actions, by his rhetoric, uh, it, I don't see any evidence of the Fed doing favors for the capitalist class in terms of setting rates. Professor Clark says that a common misconception is that the Fed is just one central bank, but in actuality, the Fed comprises of 12 regional reserve banks spread across major cities in the US, each serving its specific district. These regional banks operate somewhat autonomously, reflecting the economic conditions and priorities of their respective areas. Together with the Board of Governors in Washington, D.C., this structure ensures both centralized coordination and regional representation, striving for a more holistic and responsive approach to the nation's monetary policy. I don't think monetary policy is the tool that the billionaires have enriched themselves. I don't, I don't think that's it. I, I don't think there are macroeconomic powers that be. So if there is no conspiracy, what is actually going on? Why does it feel like the decision to raise, maybe sometimes lower interest rates, are not made for the collective good, but for a select few? Who benefits from low rates? Who benefits from high rates? Uh, honestly, this is this is not, I don't think this is very settled, the income distribution question. To, to pick on Robert Reich a little bit, when rates were low, 
he would say, oh, we need to raise them because it's benefiting rich. And then when the Fed was raising rates, Robert Reich went out and said, ah, oh, they keep raising rates. It's harming the, the working class. You know, so he just, he kind of, he had a consistent, a consistent person he was caring about, but he kept telling the Fed to do the opposite, depending on the current situation. Wow. This is the revealing point in that the underlying motivations of institutions like the Fed almost doesn't even matter. The truth or falsity of a conspiracy becomes somewhat irrelevant when the reality is that the outcomes are always bifurcated. Regardless of which monetary policy is being pursued, the result is that more and more Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, wages are stagnant, credit card debt is at an all-time high, buying a house is out of reach for most, and renting is increasingly becoming more unaffordable, while at the same time, these capital owners with their vast resources and influence always manage to exploit and benefit from the current system. So how do we put an end to this? This is the role of Congress. This is Congress's job. I mean, politically, we can look back to the progressive era with Teddy Roosevelt and, and that whole movement to reign in monopoly power to increase you know the safety standards for food i mean the fda was created during that time that that's the kind of political project you have to have to fight inequality something from the progressive era uh, uh you know an fdr new deal kind of a thing and the power that does that is congress is going to do that that's the institution that has to do it that's right in the landscape of american politics few decisions have reshaped the power dynamics as drastically as the supreme court's 2010 ruling on citizens united versus the fec this ruling opened the floodgates for unlimited corporate spending in politics enabling billionaires and large corporations to exert unparalleled influence over our democratic processes. By allowing so-called super PACs to raise and spend unlimited amounts of money, the voice of the average American is increasingly drowned out by a cacophony of corporate interests and the interests of the ultra-wealthy. At this juncture, we absolutely need congressional legislation or a constitutional amendment to end such corrosive practices. But if you pay close attention in the run-up to 2024, you'll hear almost zero mention of this topic in mainstream media, and that is by design. Billionaires and big businesses are among the top contributors to political campaigns and often do dictate the public conscience, influencing not just consumer choice, but also public opinion. So in the end, even if the conspiracy is wrong and the Fed isn't intentionally shaping monetary policy to benefit the wealthy, the real danger, in my opinion, to America isn't the conspiracy theories themselves, it's the growing perception that our institutions are biased towards the richest and most powerful and how much longer these institutions can endure under such skepticism before they inevitably collapse inward. That is all for me this time. What are your thoughts about all right so the last part of that video is the most important that i wanted to draw out and it's tied to that first clip i showed from jason a uh which is who truly runs the world right mm -hmm. who truly runs this country now there's that saying that the greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince the world he doesn't exist well the greatest trick the super PACs ever played was to pull the wool over our eyes and convince us they don't exist. You know? <laughs> so uh, why is it that Congress is going along? Well, uh, check out this next clip of the members of Congress on their 56th term going into work to decide our future.
<laughs> oh man, sad so, but true. <laughs> it's not to say that we don't need the hoary-headed members of society in positions of authority making wise decisions, but whenever you look at people that are career politicians, you realize that they might not have our best interests at heart. You look at uh, people whose net worth has increased thousands of percent compared to what they're actually being paid to work for Congress, uh, and you realize, wow, these people are padding their pockets. They're playing the stock markets. They're making political decisions that they are benefiting from monetarily through whatever they are investing in or, or whatnot. And it, it's just, you, you realize that the reason these super PACs have control over our nation is because they've put into office the people who will play ball. And they've kept in office by funding election campaigns and all that with, you know, big wads of cash. As long as these politicians blind the eyes of the public when it's important, don't talk about the important, you know, the 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 root of all evil, right? Which is where the money's coming from. Yep. Um, and and so that's how this system operates. That's how uh, we're not actually having an impact in the way that we think we do when we vote in a politician because there's only so much one person can do but it's a spider's web of politicians that are all interconnected through these super PACs and the red blue paradigm and uh and that's why this is you know so important for people to recognize is okay so this is how things like this next clip i'm about to share actually uh, were possible where the Fed and the CIA and the Biden administration and, and all these uh, intelligence agencies are being used now for uh, big pharmaceutical cover-ups and big pharma and, and conspiracies when it comes to COVID and stuff over the past two years. A recent uh, interview on a, a public hearing uh, from a guy named Holly uh, tears into the Biden administration uh, about some cover-ups regarding the COVID topic uh, and pay attention to some of the things he says about how people were being painted as domestic terrorists for having a different opinion and uh, this is widespread for many topics but the the modus operandi or whatever how you say it remains the same whether it's COVID or whether it's a, a variety of other topics so check this video out and uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all the witnesses for being here. Mr. Schellenberger, I want to start with you, if I could. I'm so glad that you're here with us today, and uh, you're here at a, uh, a significant time. I'm looking at a piece from yesterday, I think it is, yeah, um, that uh, you published. U.S. intelligence dangerously compromised, warned CIA and FBI whistleblowers. You're not the only one to report this, of course, but uh, I was reading your report on it this morning. This is something that you have been warning about for quite some time and the allegations stem from a whistleblower who has come forward to the house a whistleblower from the central intelligence agency i have the letter the relevant letter here from the house oversight committee the whistleblower alleges that a cia team was paid to change its assessment of the origins of covid 19. do i have that broadly correct is that your understanding yes, of the of the report yeah. Um, this is obviously a, a, a bombshell report, 
uh, deeply, deeply troubling. I'm glad that uh, the House is going to look into it. We should look into it. What caught my attention is you point out in your article on this that the government has deliberately violated the COVID Origins Act, which this body passed unanimously, which the House passed, the President signed into law, and maybe he wasn't so happy about signing it into law, but he did. It is the law of the land, and which required that all of the government's intelligence on the origins of COVID be made public. Instead, what the administration did was offer up a summary, which they then in turn heavily redacted. And you point out that in addition, the government refused to, the administration refused to report the names of scientists who fell ill at the Wuhan Institution, Institute of Virology in 2019, despite the fact they know the names, the intelligence community knows the names. Now, you're absolutely right to say this is a violation of the COVID Origins Act, and I would know because I wrote it. So I'm not very happy about the fact that this administration continues to flaunt, flout, completely ignore public law passed, again, unanimously by the United States Senate. For what end, I can't tell. I can't figure out why in the world. I, I don't know what partisan gain there is to it. Why in the world they want to lie to the American people. You conclude your article by saying the government has become extremely comfortable with lying to us. Just explain what you mean by that and, and tell us why you think this is so significant. Well, sure. And just on the very specific point of we were the first to identify the, the three people that uh, contracted the coronavirus in China. They were the people working on gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The Wall Street Journal confirmed our reporting two weeks later. And then I, I think it was one week after that or a few days after that, uh, the ODNI report came out and it uh, did not reveal this information. And we had multiple sources, the Wall Street Journal. We have no idea if the Wall Street Journal sources were the same, but uh, I think we're clearly seeing a lot of abuses of power occurring in multiple executive uh, agencies. So we've seen it with the FBI. One of the things that we noted yesterday was that we saw perverse incentives in the FBI to go after so-called domestic violent extremism, pulling an agent off of things like child exploitation, onto really hyping a set of cases that, that particularly appeared to be aimed at spreading disinformation around the idea that there is a significant increase of, of domestic extremism when we don't think that the evidence shows that. Uh, and now we see this report uh, that came out that suggests that there's an FBI whistleblower who says that six of the seven analysts had said it was a laboratory origin and that they had reversed their position in some exchange for some sort of a salary bonus or some sort of a financial incentive. So, uh, and we've been, you know, so we keep documenting it. We just keep finding agencies and agencies, DHS involved in trying to create a disinformation uh, governance board. Um, I keep, you know, the censorship industrial complex, we just keep finding new parts of it. So in the research for this testimony, we discovered this deep trust alliance that had, you know, what appears to be ties to the security and intelligence agencies of the United States government appears to be trying to set itself up, although it's now kind of ghosted after 2021, but it appeared to be trying to set itself up to decide what is reality and what are fakes for people. And I think it should have a chilling effect in that we, that's not how we do free speech in America. We don't have government agencies. We don't have uh, cutouts or front groups that appear to have support from those agencies telling the American people what's true, what's false, or telling social media companies behind the scenes what they should be censoring. And just to that last point, we now know, thanks to the case Missouri versus Biden, that that's exactly what this administration, from the White House, to the FBI, to the State Department, to the CDC, to CISA, 
have all been meeting with the social media companies for years now, giving them direct commands about what to censor and take down, naming specific accounts and specific speech they want suppressed, threatening the social media platforms if they don't do it. And remarkably, and I'm quoting the court here, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and there's a huge evidentiary record. Everybody can go, don't take my word for it. Go read the record. It's all on the record from the district court. What the Fifth Circuit said is, remarkably, the social media platforms all complied. Yeah. All of them. They all agreed to be tools of the United States government and to censor what they were ordered to censor, to suppress the speech they were ordered to suppress. You're a journalist. Tell us about the threat to the First Amendment. And by the way, just for the record, I think it's important to establish the Federal Court of Appeals said directly, in no uncertain terms, this was a clear violation of the United States Constitution. The First Amendment does not allow the federal government to use private companies to censor when they wouldn't be able to do it themselves. And that's exactly what this administration has done. Tell us as a journalist the threat to free speech, to freedom of the press from this kind of collusion between a very powerful government trying to hijack every media company it can get its hands on. Well, sure. I mean, if you just start on the issue of the, the COVID, for example, public interest advocates spent a very long time trying to get the pharmaceutical, requiring the pharmaceutical companies to list the side effects of their drugs in their advertisements. Here we saw a situation where people were sharing uh, information about the side effects of the um, on Facebook and other social media platforms, and the White House demanding that it be taken down, Facebook complying acknowledging that it was often true information. Um, we also saw that Facebook's own internal research showed that actually it increases hesitancy when you censor uh, those stories that people, are, if they want to be comfortable with a new drug, they need to be able to talk it out of it. So Facebook told the White House that actually it would backfire. The White House insisted. Facebook caved in because according to the Facebook executive, Nick Clegg, he said, well, we've got this other business that we need to do with the White House, which is the data flows, meaning we need, to, we need the White House to help us negotiate with the Europeans to bring our data back to the United States. So I think the Fifth Circuit Court did a great job in identifying the clearly coercive measures, but I don't think it went far enough to, because the First Amendment, it prevents the government from abridging or infringing on free speech, offering an incentive to social media platforms, such as helping them with their dispute with Europe, in exchange for censoring often true content, though of course the First Amendment also protects false content, um, I think it's a very chilling effect. I think it's very disturbing. Anybody that cares about holding powerful entities uh, to account uh, should be disturbed by what we saw take place on, on Facebook, um, on Twitter. And, um, you know, I think that I think we just have to remind ourselves and, and what disturbs me when I hear sort of the conversation around AI coming into it sort of with the beginner mind. I hear a lot of talk about how to protect the public from harm. We have to protect the public from harm. What people are saying is that we need to censor speech, censor certain voices, censor disfavored voices because of this idea that it will cause real world harm. This is a well documented phenomenon that psychologists have measured where over decades people have just grossly expanded their definition of things that cause harm. And I think that we need to kind of, uh, this should be a moment for a reset, that uh, free speech is almost absolute in the United States with a few exceptions around immediate incitement to violence, around fraud, around child exploitation. But we allow very open conversation in the United States. It's what makes us so special. 
So it's been a chilling effect. As a journalist, I've personally been censored by Facebook. I think the platforms are out of control. Thank you, Mr. Schellenberg. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So, oh man, Th that at the beginning, I want to point out, there seems to be a hyper focus on the COVID origins and oh, the, the breach of trust between government and people when it comes to where did COVID actually come from, right? However, I think it's like a sleight of hand thing um, because when you hyper-focus on the topic of, oh, where did it, it came from a laboratory? Well, you know, that could likely be the case. But the more egregious transgression is what this disease then allowed to be curated um, through pharmaceutical companies and collusion between big pharma and the government um, and all of this stuff that's happened and, and what this guy was explaining um, was really well put um, in terms of the breach of freedom of speech uh, how people were trying to speak about the side effects and, and they were being called and labeled domestic terrorists for having an alternative perspective or even trying to share the reality of events and man this is just crazy and um here's a, a one more breakdown of uh this cia COVID allegations uh from another news source now bringing in our next guest big news this week over in the u.s there was news that a cia whistleblower revealed that the cia pressured people who had been saying that COVID came from a lab to change their tune. Meanwhile, here in Australia, we've got the government planning a misinformation bill that would punish social media platforms and individual citizens if a bureaucrat said something they didn't like. Joining us all to, to joining us to discuss all of this now, Stanford University professor Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration during the pandemic, which said that lockdowns, broad-based lockdowns would be a disaster. He was proven right, but what he said was called misinformation at the time. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, thanks so much for coming back on Outsiders. It seems, Jay, like the fight over COVID and the pandemic and misinformation, it ain't one yet, is it? It really isn't. It's, it's been shocking to see during the pandemic, the government use its raw power in the United States, and I think in Australia as well, to suppress criticism, honest criticism of its own policies, citing the, the idea of misinformation, it would use its power to tell social media companies what to censor and who to censor. All this has come out in a federal lawsuit that's now going to the Supreme Court. The federal court, district court actually ruled in our favor documenting exactly what I just said. It sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's not. And, and what we see is a government that used uh, its its raw power in a way that it never should be using in a free free society. We, we have the right to free speech for a reason, so that we can criticize the government when it got it wrong. And the government essentially said we shouldn't have that power during the pandemic. Dr. Jenner, you've got this instance here where we've got the allegation that CIA investigators were effectively paid to find that they weren't sure where the virus had come from. What does news like do this do for faith in public institutions and how does that bode for the future of Western culture? Well, it certainly makes you question what exactly was the government doing before the pandemic? I mean, there are uh, pretty solid reasons to think that this virus may have been uh, uh, a, a result of laboratory experiments. Laboratory experiments sponsored by the United States government and also done in China. 
um, you know, what was the CIA's role? What role did they have? Why was there any interest in covering up that fact? Uh, why would there, and if this allegation is correct, that the CIA actually paid off its own analysts to not tell the public, or at least not even to tell the tell the president that the uh, that the CIA thought that the virus was as a result of a uh, a laboratory work. I mean, it's just shocking. I think this is something that the entire world deserves to know. We need absolute transparency in this. This is not a question of national security anymore. This is a question of human rights. It's a question of of, of honesty. How can you trust the scientific establishment or any government that engage and acts in this way and then uses its raw power to suppress criticism of itself uh, by violating free speech rights? Liz. Indeed. Dr. Jay, can I get your thoughts on why you think that they did pay off the CIA? Uh, sorry, the CIA were trying to suppress this idea that it was a lab leak. Obviously, it was a very popular theory at the time. We couldn't put any bones to the body of it, etc. and so on. But to now find out that it was suppressed, why do you think that was? Was it because they didn't want people finding out that there was US-funded gain-of-function research going on there? Was it because they didn't want people then to start asking, was this leak a mistake or not? Or, or was it, as we were also told at some points throughout the pandemic, oh, it's because they, we don't want to rise in, in uh, racism sentiment uh, towards the Chinese? I mean, I think the first two explanations are certainly live and possible. I think the third is laughable. In what sense would you say that uh, a story that says you, that the virus came out of uh, strange cultural practices by the Chinese, that's not racist, but that it came out of this, this, this sophisticated laboratory work by the Chinese, that's racist. That made no sense. It never made the sense at the time. Um, I don't know for certain what is motivating this. I, I'll tell you this: uh, this kind of research has dual use, right? There could be a, there's both military, potential military uses for this, and potential civilian uses for this for pandemic prevention. Um, and if it's dual use and it resulted in the uh, a huge epidemic, a huge pandemic that we've seen that we actually caused it, well, it's going to be very embarrassing both for for any entity that sponsored it, including potentially this, you know the CIA or the or the U.S. U.S. government. Now, I don't know any, I don't have access to classified information. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but it, what does look like is there's a cover-up. Mm. And it's a cover-up that, that nobody deserves. We need to know the truth so that we can make, uh, take steps so that it never happens again. And Jay, we know that uh, from the Twitter files and the revelations that came out after Elon Musk took after Twitter, now X.com, that you were one of the people who was deliberately censored, we think probably at the behest of different government officials, uh, by Twitter, which had a very cozy relationship with the White House, with the FBI, with all the alphabet agencies. Your great Barrington Declaration, which predicted so much of the harm that we've seen educationally, economically, as a result of mass lockdown rather targeted protection that was all proved right but it was censored now here in Australia I want your reaction as a scientist to this idea that they're going to try and censor misinformation or what a bureaucrat says is misinformation finding both individuals and social media platforms it seems to me this would be a very dangerous thing for scientific discovery it's dangerous for science and it's dangerous for the public I mean, I think that the key thing to remember is that, that government does not have a monopoly on the truth. Uh, no scientist does, no person does. And certainly having the government hold in its hands the capacity, the supposed capacity to distinguish truth from untruth and then to suppress anyone that criticizes it uh, is ripe for abuse. 
essentially saying to the government, you can uh, suppress anyone that criticizes the government. How can you have a democracy like that? And, and for science, it is, you're absolutely right. It is, it's the death and end of science. Science depends on the capacity, the freedom for scientists to disagree with scientific ideas that are, that are, that are popular. Uh, because that's how you generate hypotheses. That's how you cause people to do experiments. That's how science progresses. And so to, to have the government take on itself the power to say, oh, if you question the science, you are spreading misinformation, that essentially means the end of the science. It's like the dark age. You don't have a, uh, we, I, we, I didn't think when we entered science that you ha would have a high pope of science that could tell you, oh no, you can't, you can't think that, you can't test that. That's exactly the age we're entering. It's, it's a return of a dark age. It's the beginning of the Dark Ages, when the <laughs> government believes they have the cornerstone on truth. Whenever we look at this situation, it, it really calls into question, what is truth, right? Is truth subjective? It's the pursuit of truth that shines light on all the different facets of reality. Um, and whenever they block something out or censor it, uh, it, it causes darkness, it causes confusion. And it allows them to control us even more. So, yeah. uh, what what do you think about that, Jeremiah? I just think it's funny that Australia is commentating on stuff that happens here in the U.S. I mean, that that kind of says a lot to me, you know. When when different countries start talking about the United States, that's Sky News, Australia, pretty sure, right? Yeah, they they've had over the years several good uh, breakdowns of kind of the craziness going on here. But then again, there was some crazy stuff going on in uh, Australia during the COVID nonsense. And uh, so they, they definitely have their own problems to sort out. But uh, I found something since we're in the month of September and the month where many of the great facades of the modern age began in 2001, uh, I found a conspiracy that I wasn't familiar with. Um, it's a mural that was located at the World Trade Center. Check out this next video. Did you know that just two years before 9-11, the New York Transit Authority completed a massive art installation called Oculus in the World Trade Center subway station? It consisted of 301 individual eye mosaics based on photos they took of New York City school children. The MTA's Arts for Transit's latest program here at the Park Place station involves the installation of over 300 thought-provoking eyes and a central mosaic, and they call it Oculus. To generate the, the eyes, we photographed over 1,200 New York City school kids. Asking them to look into the depths of time, to look into infinity. Like imagining them as if they were a deity. Just for an instant, show me the goddess in you. Show me the divinity. Just, just show me the intelligence in your mind. There's this sort of clarity of your mind. Just open your eye. Which is composed of more than 1,800,000 tesserae. Every single one of those 1,800,000 is cut on four sides by hand. I mean, so it's a huge amount of labor. That, that has been involved in this entire project. And to make it all happen, five years of planning and thought came together in the city of Rome. You know, let's do something that, that there's no question that it'll be around for the rest of time. The central work is located in the Park Place station under Church Street. It emanates from an eye concept surrounded by a map of the world superimposed over a map of the city of New York. 
Although some parts of it were damaged and much of the subway system near Ground Zero was flooded, most of Oculus survived. The large central piece at the Park Place station is still there today. Isn't it interesting that the new $4 billion transportation hub that was opened at the World Trade Center site is also called Oculus? The architect says it's supposed to symbolize hands releasing a dove, but it clearly looks like a giant eye with huge lashes. It's designed so that it's in alignment with the sun's solar angles on each September 11th, between 8.46 and 10.28 a.m., which is the time between the first plane hitting and the second tower falling. The central skylight perfectly fits this alignment and washes the Oculus floor with a beam of light. Wow. Well. <laughs> Very interesting how that mural uh, was all about the awakening god within the eyes of these children and and then a lot of the architecture later on commemorating the 9-11 event was all based around this all-seeing eye and the eye and eye at this eye that uh, i didn't i wasn't familiar with that um but they're always uh, watching the oculus yeah so that that was interesting to me i wanted to share that quick clip uh the next thing that's been going around recently is uh, a pretty interesting story, which is uh, One Cent Burgers at Wendy's Burger King in Longhorn uh, reminisce to a Simpsons episode about zombie burgers. And the timing is just really interesting because right around uh, the time that these burgers were going for free, the USDA is recalling more than 58,000 pounds of ground <laughs> beef. Uh, so they're giving all these One Cent Burgers around there was a lot of funny memes going around about this one about don't eat the burgers, you know, don't, you know, one cent burgers not to be trusted and marked safe from eating a one cent burger, you know, Facebook profile pictures and stuff. But uh, this uh, this clip is kind of funny because it, it uh, calls to mind the, a Simpsons episode, which oftentimes seems to predict or, uh, you know, talk about real world events in their cartoon. Check this out burger from september 18th to the 22nd so you're telling me i'm here at crusty burger for the launch of the highly anticipated burger squared crusty what can you tell us about this fantastic new sandwich i'm glad you asked kent we start with grade a beef feed that to other cows then kill them and serve the unholy results on a seven grain bun burger squared Matt checks out cows eating cows so you're a vegetarian, but these cows have made a different choice. And now this lucky reporter will be the first human to sample this delicious crime against nature. Mmm, juicy, flavorful, with just a hint of... Hey, that's my check cashing arm, you stupid! creatures might be out there. Please let me in! How do I know you're not a muncher? I'm your father and I need your help! I can't make sense of that muncher talk! Huh. 
hungry. So hungry. There's nothing to eat. Except this. There's gotta be something yummy out there. As a vegetarian, I did not I consume any tainted burgers. Oh, yeah, you did pretty good. <laughs> that was a good oh, imitation. Man. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if this is the outbreak of the one cent zombie apocalypse, but I thought this meme was pretty funny. Should we uh, all my... start watching The Simpsons or something? I mean, they seem to be pretty right. <laughs> it says, my biggest fear about becoming a zombie is all the walking. <laughs> yep. <laughs> True. Just walking around, just being a zombie. Watch out. So, anyways, you know, I thought that was funny. Uh, the whole, you know, food uh, being recalled, the fifty-eight thousand pounds of ground beef, while at the same time they're giving away free one-cent burgers, basically. Uh, and then the Simpsons uh, called that out. So we'll see if the zombie apocalypse starts soon. Jeremiah, we'll we'll know that that's what it was, uh, what was happening. Yep. So uh, on to our uh, our last big kind of topic of the day is the alien corpses that were put on display recently uh, from uh, the 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 uh, during the Mexico's congressional hearing on UFOs. Uh, so we're going to show some videos on that. I uh, got a bunch of articles we can skim through that Opa sent over. 
first, I wanted to kick it off with uh, uh, the authenticity of the Mexican aliens questioned after kid hits it and candy falls out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pinata alien. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, these things are definitely being pushed as authentic, real. Uh, this would be making people go wild back in the you know 1960s 70s during the the ufo roswell kind of fad uh but that cover-ups continued until only 2019 where government uh entities seem to be confirming uap phenomena right you well uh, unidentified anomalous phenomena phenomena it doesn't make sense but you know what i mean <laughs> the ufos guys uh, here's uh, here's one explanation of what these alien bodies are before we watch it. It was actually just Joe Biden taking a nap. I saw that somewhere. That made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but, yeah, let's check out this clip and we can discuss it some. Well, tomorrow, NASA set to release the findings of a heavily anticipated report on unidentified anomalous phenomena, also known as UAPs. Now, it comes as Mexico holds its first ever hearing on UFOs, with scientists putting on display what they claim are the remains of two extraterrestrials. News Nation's Joe Khalil joins us live with these developments. Uh, Joe, this is some big news. Yeah, Kelly, we got big news on multiple fronts here globally on the UFO story. So let's start with NASA that you referenced off the top here. Tomorrow, the agency is going to be releasing its findings on UAPs. Because of significantly increased reports and sightings, last year, NASA put together this team to study the phenomenon, figure out what's real, what we know, and what is still a mystery. And after almost a full year, we are going to finally get that report tomorrow. Now, before that, uh, we expect NASA officials, including the head of the agency, Administrator Bill Nelson, they will be briefing reporters on their finding as well. We are going to hopefully be there, be able to ask our questions. We spoke exclusively today to UFO researcher and filmmaker James Fox about his expectations for NASA's upcoming report tomorrow. Here's what he told us. Initially, my expectations were somewhat high because of the, the, the statements that Bill Nelson's been making head of NASA. He was making very compelling statements on the difficulty to, to explaining some of these unidentified aerial objects that defy physics as we understand it. You know, he acknowledged the tic-tac. He said he'd met with the pilots and that they couldn't explain what that thing was or where it came from. So uh, then when I found out that they were not going to have access to the classified files, my expectations lowered quite significantly. So we're anticipating that. Meantime, there is this in Mexico this week. Congressional hearings focused on UAP sightings, much like we had in the U.S. Congress back in July. And this right here sort of stole the show. This is according to a prominent Mexican UFO journalist and researcher. These are two non-human corpses, both at least 1,000 years old, discovered in Peru back in 2017 and then fossilized. Now, look, there is a lot of skepticism here about whether these are real, whether this is legitimate. We ourselves can't verify any of this, so we are skeptical about what we're seeing here at News Nation when it comes to the origins of 
these things in this video. Nonetheless, these displays were a part of a legitimate Ouch. Mexican congressional hearing. Ryan Graves, the former Navy pilot who actually testified before the U.S. Congress back in July, he was also there sharing his story and his experiences with UAPs, Kelly. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of work still having to go into whether or not these things are real. Mexico's Congress debating whether they're going to be enhancing a law that would essentially make Mexico the first country on Earth to um, say explicitly that they believe in extraterrestrial life. So a lot happening just south of our border there, Kelly. All right, you can understand the skepticism. Joe Khalil, yeah. thank you. That looks like clay. Go ahead. It looks like a clay version of E.T. Come on. Yep. Cookie, yeah. co cookie cutter. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, that's why they're building the wall, guys, to keep out the alien tourists. Yeah. They're predicting all the, the alien enthusiasts are going to be flooding the southern border to just go and see this E.T., man. I do kind of want to oh, see man. it. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, so that was interesting. I think the timing of it all is very interesting. I mean, we covered this in last week's episode, uh, the uh, – NASA UAP disclosure conference that came out Thursday last week, um, and I actually inserted that in uh, into our segment last week. So, um, what an interesting time to be alive, man! You know right? the alien disclosure is full swing now, and, and the world doesn't uh, care. And the, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we've just watched too many Marvel movies. Is we're all desensitized now. It's like, oh eh, yeah, we we. We believe we all believe there was something up there, right? <laughs> yeah, or um, under the water. But with that said, um, I wanted to say uh, let's watch the actual news conference that happened uh, at the Mexico Mexico's congressional hearing. Uh, it has subtitles uh, because it is in Spanish, but some of the things that they bring out about it uh, are pretty interesting. Let's check this out. Ordinary. David Grush, el oficial de inteligencia que declaró ante los congresistas de los Estados Unidos que su país estaba en posesión de restos biológicos de entidades y que eh, él sabía dónde estaban, que se lo dijo a los congresistas. Hasta el momento el Pentágono no ha aceptado liberar esta información y permitir a los congresistas ser testigos de estos restos biológicos. Aquí hoy vamos a presentar dos seres que fueron recuperados en Perú en una mina de diatomea. Son cuerpos desecados encontrados entre las ciudades de Palpa y de Nazca en 2017 que han sido investigados profundamente, tanto por investigadores, periodistas, como por científicos, que hoy aquí van a dar a conocer algunas de sus extraordinarias conclusiones. Quiero llamar en primer lugar al investigador Joyce Mantilla, que ha investigado este tema desde el primer momento. ¿Ya se descubrieron? Vamos a descubrir en este momento esos cuerpos que de acuerdo a los científicos que van a declararlo aquí, son seres no humanos, que no son parte de nuestra evolución terrestre y que después de desaparecer no hay una evolución posterior. 
There they are. Looks like they're having a funeral. De acuerdo a la Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México, quien realizó los análisis de carbono 14, estos seres tienen alrededor de mil años de antigüedad. Es decir, no se trata de seres que fueron recuperados en aves, que son estrellamientos, sino son seres que estaban sepultados en minas de diatomea, tierra de diatomea. La diatomea es una alga fosilizada con 17 millones de antigüedad, es fitoplancton que abundaba en aquel tiempo y al desaparecer se fosilizó y la diatomea tiene características extraordinarias. Eh, deseca a los cuerpos, no permite el crecimiento de bacterias ni de hongos, por tanto permitió preservar estos cuerpos por mil años desecados. No se trata de momias, se trata de cuerpos que están íntegros, completos, que no han sido manipulados en su interior y que tienen una serie de elementos que los hacen verdaderamente extraordinarios. Por favor, Joyce Mantilla, si quieres pasar por acá. Por favor. Adelante. La sorpresa está por allá, el otro extremo de la sala. Sin embargo, quiero aprovechar para agradecer al, a esta mesa ilustre de invitados, al diputado Sergio, que nos ha, que nos ha, nos ha traído hasta aquí. Y obviamente entiendo la posición de mis colegas, que en este momento están obviamente atraídos por la, por la sorpresa que les hemos traído. Yo normalmente estoy en, el, en la posición de ellos. Ahora, por las circunstancias, estoy aquí. Muy buenas noches a todos ustedes, muy buenas tardes, depende del público también que nos está siguiendo a través de las redes sociales y la transmisión del Congreso. Eh, es mucha la información. And to hear what they are talking about. I think some things that I want to point out is uh, I have major issues with carbon dating. Um, the half-life of carbon has not proven to be a consistent number. Um, and so how do we know how much carbon was actually in these entities, you know, especially if they're extraterrestrial? So how do mm. you know that they are, you know, a thousand years old or whatnot? Um, so not only is carbon dating used in error in several different sciences uh but there you know there's a lot of questions to that my i also thought it was interesting how um this is uh tied to some of the claims of uh bob lazar who was on joe rogan's podcast several times he wrote several uh books uh he was apparently allegedly working on ufos and his yeah. claims is that uh some of the ufos that are Uh, held by these black budget government associations or whatever uh, are actually founded uh, from uh, archaeological digs that they found these ancient spaceships and these are thousands of years old 
uh, and they dug them up while looking for dinosaur bones or something. And so I guess this narrative of these ancient aliens uh, is all kind of coming, coming together. Uh, but what timing is uh, this, man? I mean, it's like they're putting on the, pushing the gas pedal for alien disclosure and, and Mexico was like, Oh, we want to be the ones that say we said it first, right? Yeah, yeah it's you almost know. like too perfect. Too perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, India so just it, landed on the dark side of the moon, so oh, Mexico's yeah, got to have something. Crazy CGI right? video, man. <laughs> um, it makes me want to look at uh, just a few of these articles all covering this same topic. This is going mainstream, right? Um Last week, Mexico held its first ever congressional hearing on the subjects of UFOs, where UFO enthusiast and journalist Jamie Mawson produced two artifacts he claimed amounted to evidence of non-human life. Uh, it went viral, fueling conspiracy theories, also ridicule. Um, and something here, uh, U.S. authorities have recently engaged with questions about unexplained sightings in July, and the U.S. Congress listened to witness testimony on unexplained phenomena. Uh, so he's, you know, maybe monopolizing on just the timing of everything. He decided to bring these forward. Uh, this one says that, uh, for, for many scientists, these two tiny mummified bodies with elongated heads and three fingers on each hand, the images of which were beamed around the world this week, um, uh, presented to Mexico Congress are already debunked, perhaps criminal and a stunt. So... They're saying that they were debunked, possibly. Um, and so I wanted to uh, share with you guys uh, the autopsy footage that I found of the aliens. And I think this is going to blow your mind. Let's check out this next clip. And... Oh, gross. It's cutting... Oh, it, it, it was... Hey. Oh my gosh, for my birthday, I need that. <laughs> oh man, well done. That's a. Somebody knows how to make some crazy cake, bro. Uh, now, this is just a, a joke, of course. This is somebody recreating, you know, a cake in the image of those mummified dudes, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to bring funny. my skull out for this one. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so let's see here. Uh, described UFOologist uh, Jamie has brought what he claims are two alien bodies in front of government officials claiming the figures are not part of our evolutionary history on Earth. Uh, apparently, forensic experts and military doctor Jose de Jesus Zalque Benitez presented scans of the figures claiming that they would have had big eyes, big brains, and no teeth. So pretty much the little grays that we've all been pre-programmed with. Um, they've both been involved in debunked alien reveal in 2015 and have been involved with a project produced known as promoter of pseudoscience and conspiracy theories, Gaia.com. So I thought that was uh, uh, interesting that these guys who brought this forward have, you know, been proven uh, in the past to be, you know, trying to bring forward aliens um, Mexican doctors conclude tests on alleged non-human alien corpses. Here's what they determine. Mexican doctors found no evidence of any assembly or manipulation of the skulls. 
of the so-called non-human being remains that were presented in Mexico's congressional hearing. Seemingly proven the remains were not human-made. Okay, so now they're getting some expert opinions in here. Uh, scientists conducted a number of tests on the two specimens, um, and uh, the entire procedure is on Jamie Mawson's YouTube channel. So, oh, man, that makes me want to go and look it up right now. Yeah. Uh, here's a clip of them. Okay, interesting. So, monkey bones. Claims one of them were pregnant. You know how they make Fiji mermaids? I swear that's what that looks like. It's where they take the top half of a monkey and they put a fish tail on it. It looks like an old monkey to me. And I promise that's not racist. I love all aliens. So this is, this is what you're talking about. And they said these scans apparently prove that it was a complete organic being and not a body of different parts. So that is interesting. I want to know who signs so, their paychecks, though. Oh, look at it! Look at how he's holding oh it up. He's just gosh. like, look, he's just. <laughs> like, what if his head broke off? Legos. His head he's just fell off. This like a toy. <laughs> look at that thing. Oops. If somebody gave that, oh, there's no way. There's no way. Why is he holding it so? Like, why why is it not moving at all like why are the the bones not moving well i guess if it's solidified rock you know dried so much that oh it's like that's uh, i guess that's okay. the diatomation earth it was buried in so he could shake it pretty much like moving it around and nothing comes off and then they they're putting it back in it well, they said it was buried in diatomaceous earth and that's what preserved it so long so uh, if it's petrified, maybe it is more rigid and, you know, stable, but like it, man, I would not be, like if this was the expose, you know, the alien reveal specimen of the, you know, centuries, why would you be holding it so like carelessly? But, you know, I don't know, maybe it was more sturdy than, uh, we give them credit for. Have you, have but, you ever uh, seen a, have you ever seen a skull of a capuchin monkey? Uh, a capuchin? No, uh, no. I like one of those little monkeys. They look just like that. <laughs> oh wow! That's why I'm kind of skeptical. I mean, it looks like one of P.T. Barnum's uh, freak show sideshow Audio. things. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, man. I think it's crazy. I mean, it's just so interesting to see all of these stories coming out here and there. It's it's almost too much to keep up with all the different disclosures happening. And I think partially it is a big distraction from the more important topics. Uh, but uh, here's another quick uh, news story, which I believe is another possible distraction, which is, uh, check this out. So apparently uh, we've lost an F-35 after a pilot ejects in South Carolina. Uh, the pilot was unhurt, but the fighter jet is missing. <laughs> So oh uh, I've seen all kinds of hilarious memes of this, of like, 
it's like Hunter Biden flying the jet to China, like, or like, <laughs> you know, things like that. Here's a funny one: F-35 stealth fighter jet, eighty million dollars. You know, trying to sell it on eBay. Uh, uh, so, I don't know what is with this story, but I think it's crazy. They found millions it. and millions of dollars. They found it. Oh, so what? What did you hear about that, Opa? How, where did they find it? They found it in, uh, uh, I guess, South Carolina. Uh, I can't remember the exact uh, Delaware. <laughs> no, no, no. It was about um, eighty miles from where the pilot ejected. I think is what I remember reading. Something like that. Okay, uh, so we need they proof. Found of... it. That's good. <laughs> but but there's a viral video about uh, a. A guy that uh, heard it come down and crash and it's really a, a very amusing video I wish I would have uh, sent that on to you but uh, that was I only saw that this morning South I had a Carolina to, talk to a man who lives out here he told me he actually heard the plane as it was oh, flying boy. past Bubba, his house and crashing this. nearby but he didn't know what it was I'm almost October 6 I'll, I'll be 72 years old Randolph White retired from his job at the paper mill in Georgetown 10 years ago. He lives in this house with his wife in a very rural area of Williamsburg County. Well, it's nice and quiet and peaceful. And I don't, I, I don't have to worry about people to, you know, close up tight. You know, I like space. He loves living about two miles away space. from where he grew Black up. Space. Normally space. it's pretty quiet, but on Sunday afternoon. I was in the, uh, in the bathroom taking a shave. Oh, oh my God. And I a screeching. Between a screech and a whistle. Oh. I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom in my whole house. Shot. White says he didn't realize it was a plane at the time, so he didn't call anybody. First thought came to me. I said, well, that must be the meteorite coming out of space or something. Meteorite out of space. Yeah. And I said, well, if the airplane, it needed to be reported. But the thing was flying just too low. So yesterday evening, I said, the helicopters, I'm out there walking. Choppers keep flying around. I said, well, something must, like somebody must have robbed a banker, killed some people or whatever. So I walked up there. They told me it was about the plane. The F-35B airplane wreckage created an extensive debris field. The wreckage is located off Old Georgetown Road. Military security is very tight with numerous red and white signs on the side of the road that read, no trespassing. This area has been designated a national defense area. Wow. Got through the grace of God, nobody didn't get hurt. Because the church right up there, about a half mile. About a mile of Old Georgetown Road will be closed for an unknown period of time. Anything man-made can malfunction. You know, so you try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But it needs to be investigated, and the public needs to know what really happened. And they, uh, <laughs> they taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching. How'd it go? Saw that between a screech and a whistle. <laughs> So they have found it, but that was all over the, the news that people were speculating, where did it go? So that's good to hear that they did locate that craft. Um, and uh, I think uh, our last, uh, just I'm just going to screen share this. Uh, in terms of AI news, it's interesting that Warner allegedly has signed a record deal with a singer generated by artificial intelligence. So uh, wow. I thought that was an interesting uh, kind of has a tie here. with has a tie with Opus Corner today actually. So yeah, I mean, 
you know, she is the first digital influencer of her kind to land a major record deal. Uh, and I'm going to have to do a little bit more uh, homework on this. Uh, to, but, you know, the, if this is uh, accurate, this article, um, AI has found its way into uh, now becoming a, a licensed record deal musician. Uh, and uh, just because it's related to this, uh, here's a picture of somebody uh, typing into an AI art generator of Jesus flipping tables and, uh, and maybe not using the proper grammar. <laughs> what happens when you ask AI for a pic of Jesus <laughs> flipping over tables? <laughs> it's Jesus flipping over a table, but not in the way you would expect. Yeah. All right. All right, man. So that's all the news for this week. All right, man. Thanks for another great current news as always. And uh, now for a quick look at my mom's book, The Protocol of Kills. King's Gate Media and Skiba News Nation present an exhaustive expose on government. The new amazing book, The Emotional and Disturbing True Story. Sheila Skiba. Following Rob Skiba's death, his widow, Sheila, and co-authors spent countless hours analyzing 40 days of recorded conversations, the transcripts of which appear in the book. This is an extremely well-written first-hand account of the horrors Sheila Skiba endured for the 40 days her husband was held captive in the hospital. It was hard to read and relive since I vividly remember when this was happening to this precious man. But I believe every person needs to know what was going on during the insanity of the pandemic. Sheila Skiba, the protocol that kills a true crime story. This book shares a wealth of critical insights that will greatly aid in preventing future needless losses of life. Available on Amazon. Order now. Find more at theprotocolthatkills.com. Well, it's about that time for an all-new Opus Corner. Take it away, Opa. And if it wasn't for three corners, it wouldn't be like that. New style, fresh vibes, I'm gonna make it last. Got a new look, I'm gonna show it off fast. A statement from Leon Muskrat. Opus Corner is being rebranded as Z. Z is the future, powered by AI. Z will connect us all in ways we are just beginning to imagine. And now for some funny AI stories. Once upon a time in the quaint village of Spudsville, there lived a potato named Mr. Tater Tot. Mr. Tater Tot was not your ordinary potato, he was a spud with a sense of humor as crisp as his golden brown skin. One sunny morning, Mr. Tater Tot decided it was time to fulfill his lifelong dream of becoming a stand-up comedian. He believed that laughter was the best seasoning for life, and what better way to spread joy than through a good old-fashioned potato joke. So, he waddled over to the village square where a bustling farmer's market was in full swing. People were selling all sorts of vegetables, but Mr. Tater Tot was determined to steal the show. With a confident smile, he stepped onto a makeshift stage made from crates and began his act. Ladies and gentlemen, he announced, I'm not just any potato, I'm Mr. Tater Tot, and I'm here to make you laugh. The crowd looked puzzled but intrigued. After all, it wasn't every day that a potato attempted stand-up comedy. Mr. Tater Tot launched into his routine. Why did the potato turn red? Because it saw the salad dressing, he quipped, and a few chuckles rippled through the audience. Encouraged, he continued, did you hear about the potato who joined the band? 
he was a real chip off the old block. Laughter filled the square, and people couldn't help but grin at the potatoes pun jokes. Mr. Tater Tot wasn't stopping there. I tried to organize a potato protest, but nobody showed up. Turns out, it's hard to get spuds to chip in. His potato humor was a hit, and the crowd erupted in laughter. Even the other vegetables couldn't resist joining in. A carrot cracked a corny joke, and a cucumber shared a cool one-liner. It was a full-blown comedy festival in the middle of the farmer's market. But Mr. Tater Tot had saved his best joke for last. Why did the potato bring a ladder to the bar? Because it heard the drinks were on the house. The audience roared with laughter, and some even rolled on the ground, clutching their bellies. From that day on, Mr. Tater Tot became the most famous potato in Spudsville. He toured the village, making people laugh with his potato puns, and he even wrote a best-selling book titled The Tater Tot's Guide to Spectacular Comedy. And so, the little potato who dreamed of making people laugh turned his village into a place of joy and mirth, proving that sometimes, all you need is a good sense of humor, and a potato, to brighten your day in the most unexpected ways. Once upon a time in the whimsical town of Sugarville, there lived a mischievous gang of gummy bears. These gummy bears weren't like any ordinary gummy bears, they were the size of small dogs and possessed a level of intelligence that would put even the smartest human to shame. The leader of this gang was Gummy Gus, a bear with a toothy grin and a penchant for pulling off outrageous pranks. One sunny morning, as the townsfolk of Sugarville were going about their business, Gus gathered his gang for a top-secret meeting. Listen up, team. Gus declared, today, we're going to pull off the sweetest caper in Sugarville's history. The gang leaned in, their wobbly, jelly-like bodies quivering with anticipation. Gus revealed his master plan, to steal all the candy from Sugarville's annual candy fair. The gummy bears were thrilled with the idea and couldn't wait to put their clever heads and squishy bodies to work. First, they infiltrated the fairgrounds disguised as cotton candy. Pink and blue gummy bears spun themselves into fluffy clouds and hovered above the unsuspecting crowd. They rained down sweet showers of candy, causing everyone to scramble to catch as much as they could. Meanwhile, Gus and his gang slipped into the fair's candy storage tent. The tent was guarded by a group of lollipop-wielding security guards, but the gummy bears had a plan. They molded themselves into lifelike statues of famous candy legends, like the Toffee Titan and the Licorice Lady. The guards, mesmerized by the lifelike statues, left their posts to take selfies with the celebrities. With the guards out of the way, the gummy bears swarmed the candy storage tent, piling mountains of candy into their stretchy, candy-filled bellies. As they made their hasty exit, one of the gummy bears accidentally activated the cotton candy machine. Soon, the entire fairgrounds was flooded with fluffy pink and blue cotton candy, turning the fair into a sugary wonderland. Back at their secret hideout, the gummy bears reveled in their candy conquest, rolling around in piles of sweets and making candy angels. Their laughter echoed through the hideout, attracting the attention of a wise old chocolate bunny named Professor Choco. Professor Choco, the town's foremost candy expert, 
had heard about the candy fair chaos and decided to investigate. He followed a trail of gummy bear footprints and cotton candy fluff to the hideout. Ah, I see you've had quite the adventure, Professor Choco said, chuckling at the gummy bear gang. Gus, feeling a pang of guilt, confessed to their caper. But instead of scolding them, Professor Choco proposed a deal. He would help them return the stolen candy in exchange for the promise that they would never pull such a prank again. The gummy bears agreed, and with Professor Choco's guidance, they distributed the stolen candy back to the townsfolk, who forgave them once they heard the tale of their sweet caper. From that day forward, the gummy bears of Sugarville became renowned for their clever pranks, but they always made sure to keep their mischief on the lighter side of sweetness. And they never forgot the day they turned the candy fair into a cotton candy extravaganza, a legend that would be retold for generations to come in the whimsical town of Sugarville. And now for... The Yucks. <laughs> all right, all right. Enough of this Z's hangout. Formerly Opa's Corner and AI stuff. I'm taking over again. As Ralph Cramden once said. <laughs> So, Mr. Muskrat, I'm sending you to the moon. And now for the funnies. If anybody wants your keys, you're on your own. <laughs> you know, we've been secretly visiting them for years at Star Trek conventions. And nobody's caught on to us yet. <laughs> I read that you're looking for someone to do light housework. <laughs> Do you have money? Yes. Buy a Corvette. Do you have money? Not for a Corvette. Blasphemy. Buy a Corvette. Do you have money? No. Do you have a job? Yes. Do they pay you? Yes, buy a Corvette. Do they pay you? No. Do you have a job? No. Do you have possessions? Yes. Sell them. Buy a Corvette. Do you have possessions? No. Do you have a soul? Yes. Sell it. Buy a Corvette. Hmm. <laughs>
Here he comes now. Be sure to congratulate him. Heaven's employee of the month. June, God. July, God. August, God. September, God. <laughs> I used to not like being a tuxedo cat, but now I'm proud of it. I feel the same about being a white gown cat. That's not a thing, Jessica. Stop trying to make it a thing. <laughs> Listen, everybody. Something's not right. Please turn back. Shut up, idiot. Do as they say for the common good. Um, that dude's got it all backwards. <laughs> baby, baby, bear. <laughs> Keister Island. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm one-dimensional, always grumpy. I'm also annoyed, cranky, irritable, fed up. <laughs> Give me a sentence with the word dandelion in it. The cheetah is faster than the lion. <laughs> Three point one four Pi Pi Mind Blow <laughs> Now we'll find that varmint for sure. Red Cloud can read even the smallest trail signs. <laughs> This always happens. <laughs> yep. Blind obedience rarely shares company with common sense. Watch for falling rocks. Hey, hey, hey I see one. <laughs> Philosophy 101. Plato, 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 Plato. Oops. <laughs> Earlier today I was really happy. Don't care. And I was wagging my tail. Not interested. Then I knocked two mugs off the coffee table. Oh, tell me more about the mugs. <laughs> Before the Iron Age. <laughs> yeah, I just got back. 
And the wizard I mentioned? He gave me a new brain. It's on the coffee table as we speak. <laughs> Hang on, Betty. Someone's bound to see us eventually. <laughs> Oh, Misty always hates me showing this slide. It's halftime at the 88 Detroit-Chicago game when we first met. <laughs> Why people named Buddy hate to drive. Hey, Buddy, move that thing. Watch it, Buddy. <laughs> I don't know, Andy. Mom said we're never to go near the old Sutter place. <laughs> Most interesting, ma'am. You've identified the defendant as the one you saw running from the scene. I take it, then, that you're unaware that my client is a walking stick. <laughs> That's them, officer. They've been peering in our windows for years. <laughs> If you don't think you can make it into work tomorrow, give me a call. <laughs> okay, you two. Problem solved. Scratching post. <laughs> Pet psychiatrist waiting room. Dogs, cats. <laughs> it's accurate. <laughs> well, here we go again. I before E, except when your foreign neighbor Keith receives eight counterfeit beige sleighs from feisty, caffeinated weightlifters. Weird. <laughs> and that concludes an Opa's Corner for this week. My hood, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Now, Opa, those are real AI stories, correct? Yep. I generated about uh, half a dozen or so, and all of them, <laughs> I, I asked for short ones, and they all were... <laughs> 
<laughs> way too long. And on top of it, none of them were funny. <laughs> they can't tell a joke and they can't do math. That's funny. All right, well, thank you, Opa, for another great Opus Corner. Uh, now a word from our friend JJ. Are you tired of living in constant pain? Do you feel like you've tried every CBD product on the market with no relief? Look no further than JJ's Natural CBD Rub. When I was diagnosed with degenerative disc disease, this was the only product that completely took my pain away. Working with JJ has been a dream come true, and his products have completely changed my life. Don't just take my word for it. Visit JJ's website, jjcbdrub.com and read hundreds of testimonials from people whose lives have been changed by all of JJ's amazing products. And now, as a Skiba News Nation exclusive, you can get $50 off a three-pack special of JJ's Natural CBD Rub by texting CBD to 920-382-7720. Don't suffer in silence any longer. Take control of your pain today with JJ's Natural CBD Rub. Again, text CBD to 920 382-7720 for an exclusive discount and start feeling the relief you deserve. The links are in the description below. So today we're going to be talking about how Big Pharma took over the world. Let me give you a little preview of what we're going to be for like discussing further. So, let's play that first clip. So you're a big pharma company like Pfizer or Moderna, and you want to make more money. And one of the best ways to do that is think about it. Are always in demand. There are always new viruses popping up: yellow fever, polio, TB, whatever the kids are calling it these days. And what do people want every single time a new virus ravages the world? They feverishly want a cure. Sometimes governments even require the cure. Some vaccine shots are required for kids to go to school, for you to go to work. Can you imagine a better business where the government forces people to buy your products? It's extremely rare. But here's the problem. Back in the 1970s, pharmaceutical companies were being sued left, right, and center for related injuries and diseases. It was making life unbearable for you. On one hand, people were pressuring you to find a way to stop AIDS and all sorts of other diseases, while on the other hand, they wanted to hold you accountable for the effects of the you were rushing out to the world. Talk about double standards. So you decided to use your creation as a bargaining chip. If the government wants you to create so badly, they would have to offer you some protections. Otherwise, you would just stop making them entirely. So you basically told the government, make it impossible for us to get sued for the side effects of our or we will stop making them and you can die from yellow fever or whatever. You had backed the government into a corner and no one in office wanted to call your bluff. So they caved. In 1986, Congress approved a law that gave manufacturers blanket immunity for any losses related to injury or death caused by their It was one of the first times in history that an industry couldn't be sued for the harm they caused their customers. And it gave the industry an advantage other industries could only dream of. But that's not all. The business of has a lot of other perks they would rather you not know about. From them funding the FDA to being in bed skin to skin with the government. And the money that comes from this little arrangement is insane. We're talking about $157 billion in revenue in the next five years from just the COVID alone, which is around the same amount of money as the entire GDP of Hungary or Kazakhstan. This is the infectiously profitable business of Well, now after that, let's talk about seven steps Big Pharma used to take over the world. So now that you guys are all caught up, Here's step one, eliminate the consequences. 
So let's play that. Step one, eliminate the consequences. In 2005, the law that gave Big Pharma immunity from getting sued over their was rewritten as the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, or PREP Act. Now, whenever the government wanted you to create a vaccine on short notice, they could invoke the PREP Act and make it impossible for anyone to sue you or the FDA for authorizing a before it was properly tested. As long as it was for emergency reasons. In other words, you were now in the clear. You now had the ultimate get out of jail or lawsuits card. So when the government came knocking asking for a COVID less than a year, you told them to reinvoke the PREP Act or forget about it. And in February 2020, they did just that. One month before announcing the new expedited vaccine creation plan, the PREP Act was put into effect again. This time around, the protection will last until 2024, which means until 2024, no one can sue you for any of the side effects your causes. Typically, a lot of work goes into creating a there's years of research, development, animal testing, human testing, clinical trials, FDA approval, and more to go through. In most cases, take years, decades to create and test properly. Before COVID, the fastest ever developed was for mumps, and even that took four years. But for COVID, it was made in less than a year, and leaving you free to move on to step two. So it's crazy. Little recap. In 2020, Congress re-invoked the PREP Act that will remain active until 2024, which gives Big Pharma immunity from being sued. That's crazy. And, and I think that's, that's sick and crazy. I mean, I've never heard of anything like that. And then Congress literally passed to re-invoke a bill that is giving these companies permission to use us as guinea pigs. We are, we are now an experiment as a human species. So let's get into step two. Step two, control the regulators. Now that you've gotten the government to take away any of the pesky legal consequences, you have to deal with your next problem, the FDA. The FDA is supposed to regulate the pharmaceutical industry. The more of a pain in the butt they are on you, the less of your products they approve, which means the less money you make. Lucky for you, the FDA is made up of humans and it just so happens that today, nearly half of the FDA's entire budget comes from, guess who? The same big pharma companies they're supposed to be regulating. Definitely no conflict of interest there. It was never supposed to be this way though. The plan was always to have tax money fund the FDA so it can be completely unbiased. But around the same time you decided to boycott making until Congress took away the consequences, Congress was also under major pressure from AIDS activists. They thought the FDA was taking too long to approve possible cures because they were underfunded. So in response, Congress made it legal for pharmaceutical companies to pay the FDA annual fees based on how many of its drugs the FDA approved. And if that's not enough, 75% of the FDA's drug review budget comes from pharmaceutical companies too. The more medications the FDA approves, the more money it gets from pharmaceutical companies. Again, definitely not a conflict of interests. So not only does the FDA need your money to function, it needs your money to be able to decide whether or not drugs and can go to market, which is great for you. And guess what? The PREP Act also gave the FDA immunity for being sued for accepting emergency and the happened to be approved in record times. It's a win-win. The FDA makes money and you make money. Most recently, the FDA approved COVID boosters that haven't even been tested on humans yet, only mice. Your relationship with the FDA is like putting drug lords in charge of funding the police. 
It's honestly pretty genius if you ask me. But that's not all. Because, get this, the only other organization that could possibly hold you accountable for your actions is mainstream media. The guys the whole world listens to. And guess what? They're in your pocket too! So, the FDA is supposed to work for us. I, I had always assumed that, uh, stupidly, because the FDA is owned by these big pharma companies. I mean, up to this point, what are your thoughts, Jake? Yeah, I mean, this all uh, checks out. I mean, whenever the people who are put into place to protect you from poisons are being funded by the people who can profit from selling you poisons, th there's a big red flag there for sure. Any thoughts, Opa? Yeah, I think it's uh, always uh, a big club. It sure is, yeah. So let's expose a little bit more evilness um, with step three, control the media. Step three, control the media. When media companies report on studies on medications and drugs, most of them fail to mention that many of those studies are actually funded by the pharmaceutical companies creating them. In fact, only an average of 3% of newspapers out there actually disclose that the medical studies they're reporting on were funded by Big Pharma. 3%? That means 97% of mainstream media organizations conveniently forget to mention the fact that you paid for the study that they're reporting on. One law you have to understand is that everyone is bribable. Everyone has a price. Because at the end of the day, we're all humans. And since you now have both the FDA and the media in your pocket, you can move on to your final challenge. The politicians. Only 3% of media companies disclose that Big Pharma controls slash owns them. I mean, this is like really happening. I mean, that's, that's, that's insane, I think. I mean, are we being run by, by lunatics, by crazy people? Probably. Let's continue down this truth rabbit hole and uh, let's talk about step number four, the government on your side. Step four, get the government on your side. The PREP Act has done a lot for you over the years, but it didn't just come about one day out of the blue. Oh no, getting Congress to pass laws that benefit your company has taken years of hard work in the form of lobbying also known as legal bribing. Let's say there's a bill coming that will allow businesses to force their employees to get It would make sense for pharmaceutical companies to get as many Congress members to vote for the bill to pass so they can make more money. So they have their lobbyists take Congress members out to expensive dinners and other such favors in hopes that they'll return the favor by voting for the bill. Every year, you and other pharmaceutical companies spend millions of dollars on lobbying Congress members. In 2021, Pfizer spent over $10 million on lobbying and it's paid off. So far, the government has spent almost $4 trillion on COVID relief, and a lot of that has gone to funding research, paying for and buying tests and other COVID products you manufacture. A measly $10 million in exchange for a chunk of that $4 trillion? That's a pretty good return on investment. For context, $4 trillion is almost as much as Germany's entire GDP, and Germany has the fourth highest GDP in the world. But just lobbying isn't always enough to get Congress to see things your way. No matter how much you spend on trying to convince Congress to open doors for you, these guys still don't have any skin in the game. Congress members don't lose any money by not supporting you, so you need to fix that. And you do that by getting these Congress members financially involved. You need to get them to buy your company's stocks. 
That way, the well-being of their wealth is directly tied to how well your company is doing. At the height of COVID, at least 75 Congress members and lawmakers traded in stocks of companies involved in creating COVID treatments and tests. Most of these Congress members have hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in pharmaceutical companies like yourself. They have real skin in the game. They have a tangible reason to vote in your favor. They may say that their investments don't influence them or that they have no idea what their investment managers did with their money. But you know the truth. You know how easy it is for them to profit in the name of saving lives and save lives they did. Take ex-representative Chris Collins as an example. He sat on the Energy and Commerce Committee, but also invested in two companies that manufacture medical devices. Coincidentally, he co-sponsored a bill that would remove taxes from medical devices. But I'm sure that's just a coincidence. With the Congress members out of the way, now all you have to do is get your market. I mean, this is total mob mentality. I mean, what are your thoughts, Jake? What do you think about all this so far? Yeah, when you say mob mentality, I think that's a good description because... Where did the Italian mob of like the 70s and 80s go, right? The, the, the guys who would run around New York and L.A. And, and they were the mobsters. Well, they just put on a different suit and tie and their family is, you know, a little bit more intricate in terms of, you know, anybody can now be a mobster if you have enough money. Yep. And if you have enough to pay somebody off, then you can kind of get this machine cogged together that operates in your favor and so that's the modern mob that we're dealing with which is just an organized uh you know it's not criminal because we literally have created loopholes in our legal system so that they can operate under the guise of public servants but they're actually just swindling humankind of their health and their wealth and, uh, and that's what I think. And, and it's so sick because uh, the reason why no lawyer will take my mom's case about them killing my dad, they, they are so scared because of the immunity that they get. They, they are, are so scared to like stand up and be a man. And, and it's just, it's just, and Opa has actually seen the real mob back in the, in the seventies, right? Yep when he when you used to work i mean what what did the mob do to to threaten people well this was in new york i was working at a uh one of our customers and while i was there there was a a couple of big burly guys come knock on the door walked on in the guy who who owned uh the company that uh or a little company, but he, he owned it. And so he wrote a check and gave it to him. And I said, what's that for? And he said, well, and, and on, when they left, they, they put a mark on the door. And so I said, what was that all about? Why did they put a mark on your door? And they said, well, that, that tells me that, tells them that they, that I've paid up, that- uh, that, that you have protection. That's protection money, right. And that, that's basically what they're doing here. I mean, they, they are protected. And that's that's just over the line for me. I mean, let's keep going and, and learn step number five because it gets crazy. Step five, monopolize your creation. So you've created a life-saving in record time and now you're ready to send it out into the world. But hold on a minute. You've worked hard on your 
You spent millions in public funding to find a solution to the world's virus problem. So now that you have the answer, you're not going to just share it with the world. Sure, publicly funded organizations paid you more than $100 billion to invent the but that doesn't mean they can suddenly expect you not to make money from your creation. That's ridiculous. Sure, you didn't pay for any of the work that went into it, but it's still definitely yours. And you're not about to let all those other pharma companies get a cut of your pot. Oh no. See, you could have gone the same way as the guy who invented insulin. He saw how effective insulin was in saving the lives of people with diabetes and sold the patent for just $1. He wanted to give people a chance to live. He wasn't in it for the money. <laughs> but that's just not you. So instead, you patent your special recipes and effectively monopolize the market. Since no one else knows how to make it, everyone has to buy their from you. And since they have no choice but to buy from you, you get to make as expensive as you like. It's estimated the top three producers today are overcharging for their COVID by as much as $41 billion above production costs. So while one dose of your only costs around $6.75 to produce, you sell them for more than $23 a pop. That's more than a 300% markup. You're making three times your money on that's supposed to save millions of lives and was created using public funding. But that's not all, because there's always a way around patents and stealing intellectual property, especially if you're desperate to save people from dying. So you have to go one step further. So it's all about the love of money which is the root of all evil. Uh, they don't care about us. They don't care about us. They patent some shitty hokey pokey to make billions and kill millions or billions. And that's okay for them. I don't know what kind of a psychopath is okay with killing millions or billions of people, killing anybody. But you know what? That's just my opinion and, and the court would say otherwise. So... Okay, well, it's time for uh, step six. Step six, crush the competition. Since this is a global crisis, poor countries are eventually going to want to steal your for themselves. They'll play the, oh, we're poor and we can't afford them card. They're going to want to manufacture the themselves instead of buying it from you. Like pirating music, but with that is a big no-no. You could lose out on a giant chunk of the global market if poor countries did that. And that's exactly what they did. Countries like Hungary, Colombia, and Chile tried to produce your that you worked so hard to create without paying you your cut. Losers will always try to copy the winners, so don't take it personally. You just gotta send your lobbyists to Washington again and push the government to punish these poor countries into the ground for trying to do that. It's as simple as that. And now that you have every single possible angle covered, now it's time to sit back and rake in the billions. So they they never cared about a cure, and they kill for what? Like I said, money. Which ties perfectly with our seventh and final step. So it's called rake in the profit. Step seven, rake in the profit. In 2022, sales revenue predictions for COVID stood at around $124 billion. And Pfizer and Moderna, America's two biggest producers, are set to bring in $93 billion of that. Just two big pharma companies monopolize 75% of the total revenue produced by COVID globally. The two of them together made about as much money as the entire GDP of a country like Slovakia. 
which comes out to around $65,000 every minute. That's someone's entire yearly salary in just 60 seconds. And since the start of COVID, Pfizer's annual revenue has doubled. So those were the seven steps of how Big Pharma took over the world. So do you have any thoughts, Jake, on that, those, every single step? Like, what, what are your thoughts just about the whole thing? It just really is so shocking that people were buddying up and pushing the propaganda for the pharmaceutical machine in 2020 2021 uh like they were like literally brainwashed and i remember we shared i shared that news video on the the way that they have all these patents to use you know different frequencies and media to convince people to behave and think a certain way well they were definitely employing those alongside uh kind of just the social guilt of not conforming and when you have that all together, it creates this ugly storm of people just lining up like cows to the slaughter. And uh, and and I saw friends and family who were like becoming like advocates for the big V. Mm-hmm. You know, go and squirt mystery juice in your arm because you know you, you get a pat on the back or you feel like you're actually doing good for people. You get a free um, cheeseburger. A free cheeseburger. Remember that yeah, one? A free cheeseburger, a free beer, or a free donut at Krispy Kreme just for, you know, showing that, you know, you've bowed to the beast, you know. And, uh, man, it, it. I think that's a very concise breakdown. And I wish more people were aware. And I think more people are becoming aware. Like recently, uh, a lot of uh, truther, you know, channels are being banned and censored because they're talking about this very stuff. Um, and, and whenever you look at why people are being banned and censored, it's because of the same reason that they're getting these, uh, emergency yep. use authorizations passed through Congress. And they got they're, their hands in the pockets of, of, they got their hands in the pockets of the people that decide what gets to go out into the interwebs to warn people. And, and that's why we've been censored on our channel, sharing this type of stuff over the past, you know, year or two, like whenever... Uh, anybody speaks on what they're doing and how it's nefarious guess what they disappear because there's no money to be made for the you know (laughs) so it's just like all together man I think it's so important for people to understand and wrap their mind around how the system works and I, I think you did it really you know that segment really does that well well I mean I'd rather be demonetized or whatever if if the ad is going to be Pfizer, if they're going to be pushing these, you know, things that kill, I just don't understand how that's just okay in today's society. Like nobody asks questions. And I feel like people are finally starting to ask questions, but for some people it's too late. And and I pray for those people, but you know, it just, it's, it's a terrible thing what they've been doing. And, and, and they'll continue to do it as long as they're away, able to get away with it. So we need to put a stop to it. And all of us truth seekers, I mean, we got to stick together. And yeah. So now after all that depressing stuff, it's time to laugh a little. And um, so here's a couple of my favorite Norm MacDonald jokes. So check this out. 
It's fun doing jokes. Yeah. Why do dogs always race to the door when you uh, when the doorbell rings? It's almost never for them. <laughs> you know the funniest part of doing an office conga line? When you look back and realize you're doing it alone and you're not in an office, you're in a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> I've never been on top of trends, I guess. You know, when everybody was burning CDs, I was still burning books. <laughs> really. I'd like to take this moment to say I endorse podiums. That's a product I can stand behind. <laughs> what about this one? This is for you. Uh, uh, yesterday I had a picture framed. Now it's doing time upstate for armed robbery. <laughs> hey, how about this? The Dalai Lama said that killing in the name of religion is unthinkable. Hey, thanks, Dalai Lama. I'm sure everybody can listen to you. No one listens to the Dalai Lama. No, no one I need to have glasses in order to see my family, specifically two glasses of scotch. <laughs> the Al-Qaeda online magazine Inspire has a recipe for a homemade bomb. They also have a recipe for a pretty darn good peach cobbler. <laughs> so they're not all bad, you know? A new study found that men with beards are more attractive than men without beards. More great work from the University of Bob Seger. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's nothing cooler than being a lone wolf, except at wolf picnics when you don't have a partner for the wolf wheelbarrow races. <laughs> Surname you don't hear much anymore, Flintstone. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy, man, is not my idea of a clown. Not funny at all. No. <laughs> that guy wasn't funny. Barbara Walters announced that she's retiring from The View. Well, actually, she announced it five years ago, but no one could hear her over those yammering bitches. <laughs> Barbara Walters is planning to announce her retirement. What's next for Babs? Death. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this while, when I was told I was going to perform for a bunch of drones, I thought I was being booked on The View. <laughs> <laughs> you ever read a book? Oh, you read the communist thing. Yeah, I read the Marxist manifesto. Who was the better man? Okay. Dr. Martin Luther King? Mm -hmm. Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, by the way, I've noticed the term adult toy always refers to something you can uh, shove up your and never like a big race car, like for a grown up. <laughs> Another good observation. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, <laughs> if you're going to fight the war on terror, a good place to start would be this nation's haunted houses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I may have told you this, but my doctor's getting very rude. The last time I went to him, he said, open your mouth and say oink. I remember, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes they get so PC about these things. That movie, The Last of the Mohicans, uh -huh. and they had a big protest. Apparently, they weren't using any actual Mohicans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's white girls who wear big hoop earrings may be guilty of, quote, cultural appropriation, and they risk getting a curse put on them by peeved gypsy fortune tellers. <laughs> Here's one for you. Here. Artifacts from Auschwitz are set to go on tour wow. for the first time. You guys won't stop. Experts believe that this will be Miley Cyrus's darkest opening act yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Hey, you're not going to believe this.
but Bill Maher has given away the solution to all our problems <laughs> for free. <laughs> My father was recently diagnosed with shingles, which is a terrible sickness that usually only affects roofs. <laughs> I, I think the reason I most look forward to China ruling the earth is that all of their last names sound like slang for <laughs> I tell you, well, a woman from Denmark I met at a party was telling me how awful she thinks Trump is, so I shot back, yeah, well, you guys have that hands Christian Anderson. <laughs> this is my uh, patriotism. When I was a child, my parents told me my uncle was sleeping with the fishes, which at the time I assumed meant he bought a waterbed. Then I found out he had been killed and his body buried at sea. God. Dave, say what you will about Elon Musk, mm -hmm. but with his new plan to bring people to Mars, nobody is a more creative serial killer. You know, I was raised Catholic, and when people find out, they always assume there was some creepy priest involved, you know, but they never suspect the deacon. So, Jake, what do you think about some of my favorite Norm jokes? Oh, Sorry. man, I love Norm. Uh, you know, he, he had a way of just having such a dry, like, like unexpected humor. Like, I, it was, that was funny. There will never be another Norm McDonald. And I created a documentary uh, exclusively for Patreon on the two-year anniversary of his passing. And you can watch it there if you want to check it out. Or, it, you know, I can... I'll figure out a way to put it where everybody can see it at some point. But if you want to see it now, it's on Patreon. Anyways, that's all I got for history, so I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, now you got some memes for me, Jake? Yeah, I got a couple. Alright, meme me up. This week, here's a, a picture of the Joe Rogan interview that needs to happen as we go into 2024. Yes. Yes. I'm all in favor of that. Everybody Can say you imagine I, how huh? much that would break the internet? Oh, man. That would be and... the funniest, coolest, awesomest thing. Oh, man. Please, well... Joe Rogan. You have, uh, so you have here on the left, uh, somebody who's senile, uh, you know, you have here in the middle, you know, alleged sod plus druggie and, and then a legend uh, on the right, on the right, <laughs> Mr. Donald Trump, uh, the guy with the biggest tower in Manhattan on <laughs> September 12th, 2001 and, and has the most <laughs> indictments of any president ever for no reason. Yeah. Uh, what a crazy conversation that would be. But of course, like, I don't know, man, if that stuff started to happen, the world would be like, you ever seen Idiocracy, the movie? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I have. Uh, man, it, like, it would be like the world is now a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't I think mean, Biden could is, even, but... he couldn't even make it there, Biden. I mean, nobody would understand what he's saying. <laughs> 
frequent bathroom, uh, you know, what, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I've run out of tests. How will I know if I'm sick? <laughs> oh, man. COVID's on the rise again, and it's already starting to affect uh, family members that are like, I have to, I've been tested. I'm positive, but I feel fine. Stay away from me. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, here we go again. Okay. Um, uh, I now bond you two in holy macro macaroni. <laughs> oh, I messed it up. I now bond you two in holy macaroni. <laughs> holy macaroni. I love macaroni. Uh, so here's Justin Trudeau. Nobody needs 30 shots to kill a deer. Me. Nobody needs 10 shots to defeat a cold. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that were that's perfect for today's episode. Uh this is not life. This is you know, don't get stuck in the grind, the rat race. The official winner of Not My Job Award. <laughs> he just <laughs> painted the lion around the tree. I've seen so many of those out here. Just lazy. <laughs> Uh, this post has been removed because it might cause offense. <laughs> Trespassers will be prosec prosec headbutted. <laughs> oh man! Uh, this is my fact checker, the Holy Bible. It's a good fact checker. All right, meet Indiana Bones, the museum cat that parades around after hours, ruling all the bones at the Museum of Osteology. <laughs> Leave it to a cat, I'm telling you. I'm horrified of bugs, and oh my gosh, I love cats because they kill bugs. Like kill I will, bugs. I will scream like a little girl. Like you have no idea how scared of bugs I am. Yeah, I my most hated bugs are ticks. Uh, mosquitoes, chiggers, uh, I really hate centipedes because they're super fast. Millipedes are not so bad, but centipedes are terrifying and flying, biting cockroaches that I grew up with in the Philippines. Oh, I don't like anything. I don't even like butterflies. For real. <laughs> they freak me out. I don't know what it is. Here's a... Really digging the taillights. On the new Mustangs. <laughs> uh, I wonder what it would be like to be a uh, uh, mounted police officer. It seems like such a strange like sect of the police force. Yeah, uh, out, out here it's mainly the State Fair of Texas. That's really the only place I see them. Yeah, With I mean, like, I, I know, like, Canadians have the Mounties, and it's, yeah. like, literally in their name that they mount on the steeds but uh yeah like <laughs> i saw this video of like a, a police officer on one horse and the, and the other police officer was on another horse that was like mounting his horse and he was just have he had to take it because i guess they can't control them on you know when they have those <laughs> urges they poop all over the place oh yeah what a heck of a job i did have a mustang but it wasn't like that <laughs> all right uh this is uh the corner of spock between live long and prosper 
It's <laughs> actually kind of cool. Uh, I thought this was a, a really good one explaining motivation and discipline. It says, how people think motivation works. Come on, keep going. You can do it. That's all right. I'll do it. But how it actually works is motivation's like this little cute tap on the shoulder and it turns on the button of discipline and discipline picks you up and says, you will do it. Uh, it's like a good explanation of how like to get things accomplished. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. No toilet paper, build a backyard bidet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before social media, this is how we knew where everyone was at. Leaving the bikes in the front lawn. Oh, I remember those days. Why is it that when archaeologists find human remains, they're either male or female, and none of the other 700 genders? <laughs> is there a tax I can pay to stop COVID-19? Or does that only work for climate change? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure they gladly take your money. <laughs> All men should make coffee for their women. It says it right in the Bible. He brews. <laughs> I think there's a coffee shop named that too, isn't there? He brews. He brews. Yeah, there's one in Missouri we love to go to called True Brew and Ava. They got some great stuff. Uh, explain it to me like I took the for a free donut <laughs> <laughs> explain it to me like I took thing for a free donut oh man uh, right uh, public schools mind control facility <laughs> what movie is that do you do you know by chance oh yeah yeah that's um he lives or oh dude I now I'm spacing I'll look it up later. <laughs> I'm just curious. Oh, I, gotta, I gotta look it up now, dude. This is like a. Uh, uh, is it good? They they live. Yeah, the movie's called They Live, and it's a sci-fi horror. Uh, from 1988, They Live. Cool. Is it good? Uh, it kind of you know a lot of these memes come from it. It's not the best movie, but it it does depict on how like you know he puts his glasses on and he's able to see through the deceptions and the propaganda so, so like it, the matrix it's really kinda, good like take the red kinda, pill, the blue kinda. pill. It, um special sunglasses uh but yeah, the, the basically it talks about how the ruling class are aliens and yeah, it's worth checking out if you've never seen it oh i'll check it out uh last one of the week i'm writing a book about all the things i should have done in my life it's called an ought to biography. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, man. man. All right, guys. That's all this week. All right, Jake. Thanks for another great current news and memes as always. Opa, thank you for another great Opus Corner. I hope you guys enjoyed my history segment. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never quit fighting. Let no man deceive you. Thank you for standing alongside us as we fight for justice and continue our quest for truth. Subscribe and stay tuned. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally 
at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcast on your favorite podcast platform.